back together and better than ever. Welcome everyone to episode 232 of the FMR podcast. I'm Jay. No, you are the head of the podcast table. Yeah. Jay. And I am the brainless one. Indeed you are. And we acknowledge you as the head of the podcast table. <laughs> right. <laughs> Booyah. But uh, yeah, we got a very, very interesting week of professional wrestling that we have to discuss. All over the dang place. Um, we had a returning Sasha Banks last night on SmackDowns. Um, we had... Ridge Holland return. A Ridge Holland return. I'm fucking excited for that! Yeah! Karrion Cross gets his first victory on the main roster on a televised show this past Monday. We have a positive COVID case. We have ourselves a Domino's controversy. <laughs> Can we call it Pizzagate? No, wait. Pizzagate actually was a real thing. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was trying to figure out like a really good slogan for Domino's, and the only thing I could think about was a Pizza Hut one. Because nobody out pizzas the hut. Right. Especially not Nick Gage. Avoid the Noid. Ah, the Noid! I forgot about the Noid! Oh, man. And it was, it was funny because... Like, Remember when like, Mayor Adam West killed the Noid? Yes. <laughs> trying to steal my per flavor. Perhaps the Noid should have been looking out for me. <sighs> so good. So good. I think I wrote the wrong date on the freaking... On the days. Yeah. It, it's fine. I don't even remember. It's fine. Yeah! And you know what? No, math was never my strong suit. You just call me the... Scott Steiner of the podcast. <laughs> uh, that fits. That fits. I don't want to be Scott Steiner, though. He, that dude used to eat, used to taking steroids on top of steroids with a side of steroids covered in steroids. Right. But anyway, yeah, we got a really, I think it's going to be a really good show. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be tremendous. So uh, I'm glad you all are tuning in. Um, Make one... sure you like, share it out, and all that sorts of stuff so everybody else can join in the dang conversation. Yeah, yeah, and and I, and I will say that I am very glad to see that a certain something else is making a return to the FMR's podcast. Uh, you know, we had our five-year anniversary last week of the show, and I had commitments immediately after the show ended. I could not have a frosty Colt forty-five to celebrate five years of doing the podcast, so I was like. You know what I've got going on today after the show? Absolutely nothing. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful morning. Yeah. Wow, I can't believe I went that route. And I typically would be joining in and, jo hey. and enjoying a nice frosty Colt 45. But uh, unfortunately, I gave up drinking. That, no, that's not unfortunate. Good for you. I haven't, thank you. I have not touched a drop of alcohol in over two months. Is that incredible? That is Pretty incredible. good, man. Pretty I, good. I, th I think there's going to be some things coming up over the next few months that I might have to, you know, indulge a little bit in the in the consumption of alcohol, especially because there's going to be some people coming down to visit in a few months that I kind of have no choice because I'm probably going to have my uh, twisted. Uh, you know, you always got a choice, but yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. Big things are happening uh, in, in both of our worlds, and yes. you know. We'll... And, and and in the words of Bob Wiley, since I stopped drinking, I feel good. I, I feel, feel great. great. I, I feel, feel wonderful. wonderful. Yeah. Baby steps, baby. Baby steps. Baby step to four o'clock. Yes. So, which yeah. means I'm on the verge of being completely 
straight edge. This is going to be so awesome. Right? But anyway, so speaking of the wrestling bit, what would you like to start off the show with? I mean, we could start off with the confirmed match for what is going to be the main event at SummerSlam this year. Uh, we had an injured wrestler this, that happened this week. Um, we had the, the, the positive tests. We had a bunch of fuckery on Wednesday on AEW. You know what? Let's start with the fuckery. Okay. Let's start with the fuckery. I mean, it is number one on the board, too, so that fits in perfectly. Uh, so, part of Chris Jericho's path forward to try to get a match with MJF at All Out is... That MJF is handpicking opponents for him to go against in specific match types, and MJF keeps on narrowing down what Chris Jericho could do for each match. Like specifically now, no more uh, interference from anybody in the inner circle. Yep. By the way, I'm throwing this out there. I think Mike Tyson is going to end up interfering for Chris Jericho. At, at some point, because he's not in the inner circle. There you go. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. But this week specifically, we had a death match on AEW television. Now, I'm not a huge, huge fan of death matches, but, either. you know, they got the king of the death match, Nick Gage, and Jericho had to go against Nick Gage in a death match and defeat him to get by marker number two. In this five-step challenge before he gets to MJF. So, Nick Gage is, you know, again, known for the death match, but specifically using a pizza cutter. During the match, they specifically had a pizza, like, advertisement going on while the pizza cutting was going on. I think that's fucking brilliant marketing. Uh, I'll t I, brilliant! I will, I will say this. Brilliant! I will say... That, because like that is like you said, that is the Nick Gage spot where he takes the, he takes the wrestler and he drag, brings him over to the ropes and he sticks his head through the ropes, and he puts the guy's head there and he takes the pizza cutter and puts typically puts it in the guy's mouth, and it'll go like that, but because it was live television, all that stuff, yeah, he does his usual the, the thing in the head and cut Jericho open and blood was gushing and they went to a picture in picture screen and we got the Domino's ad where they were using the pizza cutter. Right after Nick Gage just sliced up Jericho like he was a medium pepperoni. One thing I could say for this, Domino's after it kind of said, like, uh, we know it's a TV-14 product, uh, but we may need to reassess whether or not we're going to advertise on TNT. Not just, like, AEW, TNT as, like, a whole. Are they doing this just to create a fake controversy so they'll get more publicity from this? Are they legit mad? What do you believe? Do you want do you want my honest opinion uh, no, or do you yeah, want me to that, sugarcoat it? That's what it? this show you is all about. Do you get, want go me full to brainless. Sugar, you want me to go full brainless? Full brainless. I wouldn't be honest to goodness, I wouldn't be surprised if they were actually really upset about this. Because everything, it seems like now in this day and age, everybody's offended by everything. Because it would be no different. I mean, remember when the Nexus did their thing where they were oh, tearing yeah. apart all that Daniel shit? Bryan. And Daniel Bryan choked out Justin Roberts with his necktie. And people in WWE got offended and said that's too close to what Chris, Jer uh, Chris Benoit did. And I'm like, no. 
and they fired him over something stupid like that, which is an overreaction. Domino's doing what they're doing, I think, is kind of an overreaction. It's not like it would be different if, as Nick Gage was cutting Chris Jericho with the pizza cutter, like he was going, nobody else pizzas the hut or, or throws like, ah, I'm slicing them up like a deep dish Domino's pizza or something like that. I can understand that. If he's throwing it out there, the fact that it was just dumb luck that they decided to go to a split screen where they were going to have the action and the commercial break going on at the same time, and then they the first one they show is a fucking pizza or a Domino's ad, I, I can't see a reason why Domino's would be mad. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's dumb luck. That's the kind of luck that I have. That would be like me being in the middle of having a having a tism over freaking Nia Jax, and then we go to a split screen, and then we show a picture of Nia Jax. Tonight on Raw, Nia Jax versus... Blows out her ACS. Yeah, right. So, I, I just I think this is an overreaction from Domino's, and I think this is just their way of just kind of like, hey, you know what, we're still here. We're not Pizza Hut or Papa John's. And it's like the old saying, and I think Vince McMahon even said it, Bad publicity is better than no publicity. Uh, in general, uh, I think that that that's right. In general, yes. that there are a few things that go beyond that, but I think a lot of it just comes down to like society has become so, in my view, in my view, overly sensitive about everything. It's like you know what, like you know, you signed up for professional wrestling. TNT knew before the match was happening that yep. the match was happening. Domino's knew that they were signing up and part of their pro- product was going to, er, going to be displayed during a TV 14 TV show that has sometimes had blood and guts on it. Mm-hmm. It's not once. Right. Again, I think it works out better for Domino's because... The fact that they opened their mouths, and I don't know if, they, again, I don't know if they meant this intentionally, has now given them more publicity because people are like, no, I don't know if this is going to be the type of publicity where people are like going, why are you getting so bent out of shape? Like, th- this promoted you. Mm-hmm. So, I know Jericho came out and said he felt that Domino's was, you know, taking it a bit too far. Of course they were. But, uh, what are your thoughts? Out there, I'm on uh, uh, on the the Domino's Gate. It was a cut above. <laughs> hey, look at you! Look at you! Ah, <laughs> uh, shit! And usually I like to punch the wall, but I was told that I'm no longer allowed to punch the wall. Why not? I, it, it causes my hands to get really calloused, and, and oh, then, and oh, then I, then I, I get, get yelled at. Yeah, nope. The boss, so. the boss, the boss, my my. My fiance slash manager slash um, yeah, any, your any, agent, any, my agent, whatever yeah. you want to call her, she she does it all. Yeah, she is a Jill of all trades. Yeah, but uh, but overall, uh, you know, since we're already talking dynamite, uh, there were a couple of things that happened on this show that were a little shocking. Uh, ooh ooh ooh! Can I can I put in two cents about something? I thought it was interesting that the opening match. Was the the five on five elimination tag match between the Dark Order and the Elite? Yeah, and I I have never been more tism, and I and I wanted to give AEW the benefit of the doubt this week. That's why I put it on. We I, well that I wanted to see Nick Gage and fucking Chris Jericho. Let's be serious for two seconds. Go. Yes, 
Oh, excuse me. But um, they started off with that in the elimination match. And it was interesting that everybody in the Elite was wearing Toon Squad jerseys with numbers on the back. And I thought it was interesting. I don't remember if it was Nick Jackson or Matt Jackson had three sevens on the back of his jersey. And I said, that's offensive to me because seven is my lucky number. And then I saw the back of Kenny Omega's jersey. Why the fuck is that piece of shit wearing 23? Kenny Omega, fuck you. You don't you do not have the right or the privilege of wearing number 23 because you don't deserve to wear the number 23. If anything, you should you should put something like, you know, I don't know, like 14, like where you were last year in PWI's rankings of all the wrestlers in the world. You should have had number 14 on the back of your jersey. Jim Rice. Or 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 six and a half, you know, the amount of stars that he gets from fucking goddamn yes, Jim Rice 14. Yes, very good. I, I almost missed that one. Um, yeah, you know, you could have had the Dave Meltzer six and a half Tokyo Dome against Okada type of deal. Um, uh, I, I, I had a, so what do you think specifically about the outcome of the match? I thought it was, it definitely shows that the Bucks and Omega are in this for themselves. I'm sorry. The fact that the three of them and Cody Rhodes went into business with Tony Khan and all this stuff. And, and and I will keep saying this about Cody Rhodes. And there is a lot of backlash about Cody Rhodes on social media. I don't like that. Because at least Cody Rhodes is going out there and doing things and, and like, okay, I don't need to win this thing. I'm going to put this person over. Or I'm going to put this person over. You know, I got a young star at MJF. I think it would be better if I put him over. Sure. You know, I'm fighting Lance Archer. I'm fighting Brody Lee. You know, he's doing sure. it all the right ways. Kenny Omega's being the champion, and he's derpity derp derp derpity derpy derp. And I just, I hate the fact a that... derp or derp? Yeah. I just, I don't like Kenny Omega because he's not the total package. You don't have all he's the qualifications. Like you... That, yes. Yes, he's not Lex Luger. Very good. Very good. You, you um, see what I did there? I do. But, like, the, the Young Bucks... I don't think there's anybody who's a bigger fan of the Young Bucks than themselves. And just, I got... I wanted to puke during that triple fucking super kick that they they hit and I, i'm gonna tell you right now they got themselves a stud in hangman page and i really was pissed off that he i mean obviously somebody had to lose that match and either the guy who's gonna be the number one contender which is hangman page or the champion was going to eat you know either eat yeah. a pinfall or submit or anything like that obviously they they went the way that they went and they had the elite go over on the dark order but I had a problem with that, especially because you knew once it was an, once you found out it was an elimination match, something that I know bothers you or something that bothers me is is going to happen because either a champion, granted it's not a one-on-one match, it's not but a, a champion losing, getting pinned by the guy who's the number one contender, or the fact that like what happened where Hangman Page ended up losing the match doesn't make them look as strong heading into his title match against Kenny Omega. But the thing is, is he d- he doesn't have a title match against Kenny Omega. That's yeah, what this yeah. match was for. I'm going to disagree with you here. I like the fact that they're going to have Hangman Page continue to chase. At this point, storyline-wise, Kenny Omega is not in a position to lose. Like, he he's the belt collector. And he needs to continue to have the belts, I think, for a bit longer. 
as much as like the crowd is super behind Hangman Page right now getting that match, if he went against Kenny Omega at All Out, he would have to lose. And they don't want to do that. What they did here is they did not make Hangman Page look weak. And they didn't make Kenny Omega... He, he looked like a, a heel champion. Yep. Cheating to, to, you know, using his belt to bash yep. Hangman Page to avoid the man he clearly does not want to go against. And what this ends up leaving us with is like, well, one, what the hell is the main event at All Out? Yes. You know, there's thoughts of possibly Christian Cage, because right now he's number three in the rankings. Mm-hmm. He... Jungle Boy is two, but he just faced Jungle Boy and beat right. him. Orange Cassidy's number five. You can't have him, you know. He recently lost in a triple threat match for the title. It seems like Cage is probably the most likely person to get that opportunity. Although right now he's, you know, kind of in a tussle with Matt Hardy. And, and it seems like that would be a more appropriate match for All Out. But... All outs in Chicago, and they like to bring in people to go against the champion. I mean, I think as long as if CM Punk goes against Marco Stunt, I think you yeah, know, Marco Stunt, uh, 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 we could hot shot him. Yeah, up, you know, on Rampage, uh, he, he uh, could go against Marco Stunt on Rampage, beat him, yep. and face know. a couple of local competitors, maybe pull off a victory against QT Marshall in there too, and he's right on track to fight Kenny Omega for the title. But you know. All Out and Double or Nothing are their two signature shows. Mm-hmm. And if, like, Kenny Omega going against nobody mm-hmm. at this moment, and you're a late, little over a month out, how are you going to build up what's supposed to be your main event without an opponent, unless they figure out some different way to get Hangman Page in? But, you know, it seemed pretty definitive. Like, oh. if, if Dark Order and Hangman lose... They don't get their title shot. Well, if you look at it like on the flip side to what AEW's competition is now is WWE. I cannot believe I'm saying this, um, but for for months we were speculating that John Cena was going to return at, to fight Roman Reigns for the title at SummerSlam, which was going to lead to that, which was eventually going to lead to Roman Reigns and The Rock and all that stuff. Then there was all these rumors that oh, John Cena is not going to be coming back, trying to kind of. Smoke and mirrors, pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah, smoke and mirrors. Exactly, and the fact that you know Cena came back, went up, you know, went face to face with Roman Reigns and challenged him to a match at SummerSlam, and then Roman Reigns is like, "I'm not, I can't see you, so I can't be challenged. You know, I'm not going to accept your challenge." And then Finn Balor came out, so this was causing a lot of people to go, "Wait, wait!" I thought they were doing Cena versus Roman at SummerSlam. Now they're going to have a contract signing like they did last night on SmackDown for Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns. And so a lot of people were trying to figure out how, what the fuck does this mean going forward for the Universal Championship. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward with the AEW title because, like you said, Omega is the belt collector and right now is not the time to take the title off of him. And, you know, they've already sold the tickets as far as being in Chicago and they're sold out. But if you're talking about people buying, putting their hard-earned money into a pay-per-view, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega going against nobody right now. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be the thing that right. gets you in the door. So they're going to have to certainly, like, 
surely there's ways they could figure out to get Hangman Page back into the match, Mm -hmm. possibly uh, writing-wise. But again, I almost feel like right now they should hold off. Hangman already lost to Kenny Omega, what was it, about a year ago? About a year ago, yeah. You know what? Let it continue to build. Let it continue to drip where you're like, I so badly want to see this dude beat the shit out of him. And I think he needs to be the guy that takes the belt off Omega. I think that's the end game here. And I think what will happen is that won't happen probably until next May, which will be double or nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a long that's my drawn belief. out, and I you you know me you know what I was saying about that where I thought that the person who should have taken the title off of Omega is Orange Cassidy himself because I think that the pop that he would get for winning the title from Omega would be incredible, and then you have MJF take the title off of Orange Cassidy because who's who what's a better way of getting over dick. as a, as a as a monster heel than taking out the biggest face in the company, and then you have Eggman Page come in there and take it from MJF, but. And his buckshot lariat. But th- that's just my feeling. Because right now, the person who has more momentum is Hangman Page. He has right. more momentum than Orange Cassidy has. Right. So I, I would say Orange Cassidy is... But, uh, uh, like, I love Orange Cassidy, but right now, Hangman Page is, you know, the guy but, that the crowd, outside of Cody and Sting, that, like, the crowd is like... Uh, it was also interesting on Dynamite this week that Darby Allen teased CM Punk as part of Rampage and I'm, just talking about how he wanted to have like a match against somebody even if they're, they believe they're the best in the world. I My favorite part about that was, and this is why even today the internet remains undefeated in everything, is because he came out and cut that promo about the best in the world and it was like everywhere. It was like confirmed. Shane McMahon to AEW. And I was like, oh shit! Oh, that was it was uh, that was some funny shit. I, I give a lot of wrestling wrestling fans to me are the second most loyal, and they are the second best type of fans. Just type of fans and worst. There. And yes, I was gonna get to that part. I'd say worst. I would say they're. It, it's it's soccer world soccer fans and then it's wrestling fans that have the heart and the desire and just everything about them is just I love that about wrestling fans but on the flip side wrestling fans can be the worst like you said you got a guy who's trying to go in the ring and go after MJF and Chris Jericho you had that one fan who was stalking Sonya Deville you had that the fan who ran into the ring and tried going after the Go Brett the Hitman Hart at the Hall of Fame a couple years ago and then had Travis Brown beat the fucking shit out of him so yep. And, and it's and it kind of you know bringing that up, you know this whole week like Renee Young had made a comment about CM Punk, and all the WWE fans <sighs> got all butthurt and turned on Renee Young. Did you ever think you'd see the day? What? Hey Lloyd. Yeah, for whatever our reason, our other feed wasn't showing your comments. Good good seeing you. Thanks for uh, being back, man. Yeah. Holy shit. What, what? Bray Wyatt was just released. Interesting. I gotta look. I Very gotta interesting. This. Well, y- you know, 
with, with Bray Wyatt, you know, that's something yep. specifically we had brought up before. I was like, hey, the dude, you know, mental health is nothing to, to laugh about. And, you know, he's been having a hard time for the better part of, a, you know, eight or nine months now. And wow, when he showed up in the shape that he did for, for you know, his WrestleMania program with Randy Orton, I know Vince wasn't entirely enthusiastic about that. And, you know, when they did their round of cuts after WrestleMania season, Bray wasn't on it. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Because, you know, when they let go of Braun Strowman, I was like, like, like they said something about somebody who was a known name getting released, and you might be shocked by it. I, I, I was like, oh, I think Bray Wyatt's going to get cut. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope he... He gets into a better mental health state soon. I hope he is the best version of himself for his family. And, you know, I certainly hope at some point he's well enough to be back on our TVs entertaining us. Confirm, so, Bray Wyatt will be the one replacing Brody Lee in the, in the Dark Order. Vince McMahon just... I, I really just think that Vince McMahon is trying everything he can to fuck his own company over. Yeah. It's it's stupid. It really is stupid. You have a guy who you, you basically... When you first brought him to the company, you gave him a shitty-ass gimmick. He, Husky he's got, Harris? He, he's Husky Harris. He's a he's a tank with a Ferrari engine. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of stupid. Then it came out that he was Mike Rotunda's son. And it's like, all right, people, obviously he's got talent because his dad was talented. And then, you know, you, you, you get rid of him from the Nexus and, and then you uh, and then you put him back down and he, he repackages himself. And that gimmick, I don't remember what the hell it was, but then he repackages himself again Bray as Bray Wyatt. Wyatt. And then, you know, he, you give him the Wyatt family, you give him a Luke Harper and an Eric Rowan and they become this thing and they're white hot coming up from freaking NXT. And, and he, the man is just oozing with talent because he knows how to get a reaction from the fans. He's not terrible in the ring. The yeah. man can cut a freaking promo. He is everything that you look for in a star. And now you just released him. The only thing I'll, I'll say for this is one thing old school promoters, and I'm sure Vince McMahon, and this is why Cena was on top as long as he was, you need somebody reliable. And unfortunately, at this point, point because of it according to the reports we've heard Bray's mental health has not been the greatest lately and it makes him unreliable so you know this may be the best thing for Bray's mental health at this point and again I hope he gets well mentally physically and everything and then is able to entertain us again. If we never see Bray Wyatt again and he lives a happy life, I'm cool with that. The Fiend was one of the greatest things we've seen for like a year. And, and you know, there were some stumbles along the way as far as that character goes, as far as what WWE did with it. But it was one of the greatest inventions ever. I need to I need to make enough money so I can buy WWE because the first thing I'm going to do is get rid of that old geriatric fuck. And then the second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to 
cut that beaver fucker Kevin Dunn right afterwards. Yeah. And you know what? Nick Khan can go fuck himself too. Yeah. And fucking Bruce Pritchard and fucking John Laryngitis. People <laughs> power. Yeah. I am just I, I It gets harder and harder as a wrestling fan to keep watching the product. And it's not just WWE. I'm sorry, AEW, yes, it's something new, it's something fresh, it's something different. But there are aspects about AEW that is way too similar to freaking WWE, if you ask me. And the fact is that they oversaturated with all these goddamn groups in the frickin', in all these stables in AEW. And the fact that every other match has some kind of a run-in in it. And, oh, look, how many guys in this roster are actually from WWE? Oh, we got Aleister Black. Oh, I'm sorry, Malachi Black and Miro and all this stuff. To be fair, for the better part of two decades... WWE was like the only game in town. Well, I so agree. guess what? The people you're going to get most likely were in WWE. There's only a handful of people that never saw any WWE time. It's like as much as we don't think of like Kazarian as like a WWE dude. Yeah, he, he, he spent time in WWE. He did. Uh, Matt Hardy, Christian Cage, uh, Cody Rhodes. Lance Archer was down in NXT. So, just about everybody has touched WWE. So, to me, it's it's okay to have some WWE dudes. All that. All that. No wrestling promotion is going to be 100% perfect for everything you want to see as a fan. You know... I always talk about it. My preference is always to see something that looks a little bit more realistic. So I like kind of the uh, Japanese strong style or the European type strong style where it looks like two dudes really beating the crap out of each other. Right. That's why I appreciate like uh, Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Like when they had their like series of matches, mm. yeah, sign me up every day of the week. It looks like they beat the hell out of each other. But you know... For the two of them, they do it out of love and respect for each other and for the business. So, but even with that, I know that when I watch Raw, when I watch SmackDown, when I watch NXT, there's something that's going to be there that may not appeal to me too much. AEW, same thing, but I just like having choice. All right, if I think this is trash, I'm going to turn it off. Well, my whole thing is that... AEW, when they first came about, was, hey, we are all about giving opportunities to guys who have worked in the independent scene, who don't get the television exposure, Kenny like Omega. the guys that, that you know, the John the Cena's and all those guys, you know, I mean, you had Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and Hangman you had Page. Hangman Page, and you had, you know, nobody knew who the fuck Orange Cassidy was until he went to AEW. I mean, I mean people, people had knew, who, but who, like... Yeah, I mean, but like Nobody knew really of, like, Orange I didn't know who Orange Cassidy was until he walked into AEW. Like, I knew who Kenny Omega was because I knew who Jay Melcher is. I, I was familiar with Jungle Boy, but, like, had not really seen him perform on a, yeah. a, a big platform. Same thing with Joey Janello and when they had, uh, what was the guy who used to look like the bad guy from The Fifth Element? Um, he yeah, the dude fired. who, uh, yeah, he, yeah he has a lot of things. issues yeah. because of what he was doing. What the to, fuck was his, I forget his name. Uh, he was another uh, guy. Uh, Jimmy Havoc? Jimmy Havoc. I love that name, by the way. It's a great name, but... Uh, well, like, you know, like, Frank, 
Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels and, and like Scorpio Sky. Who the fuck knew who Scorpio Sky was? Like we did because we're you know we're real we big know. wrestling fans and we know like all these guys. But like the casual fans not gonna know who those guys are. And I thought that was the best part about AEW when they came about was they're giving these guys like who the fuck is Peter Avalon? And it's like. Now, it's like you look at it, and it's like, yes, I get, you got Kenny Omega, who's the world champion, and then you got the Young Bucks, who are the tag team champions. But think about this. The, the TNT champion is Rusev. The women's champion is Britt Baker, who did have a cup of coffee in WWE. Uh, speaking of Britt Baker, there's a rumor going around that Britt Baker will have her own stable, and I'm actually okay with this, because there aren't comics. 5 million yeah. uh, women's stables at this point. But supposedly the Iconics, former Iconics, are coming to AEW and they're going to be part of a stable with Britt Baker. And I freaking love this. Uh, uh, me too. The chemistry between the Iconics is off the charts. And with how Britt is performing at this point, yep. how hard it's clear that she works, this is going to be awesome and it's going to be freaking incredible. Uh all that being said, yeah, Britt Baker had a cup of coffee in WWE. And, and you think about it, there was a point, I'm pretty sure there was a point where every champion in AEW is a former WWE star, because Cody Rhodes was a TNT champion. He, in fact, I think every TNT champion except for Darby Allin was in WWE. At some point. John Moxley and, and Chris Jericho? I mean, come on! Right. So... As much as I understand, like, you don't want to overload with former WWE guys, but some, you, you know what, when somebody is available, like, like, are you going to say, oh, Daniel Bryan's a WWE guy, we can't have him. No, but it's like... That would be absolutely stupid, because Daniel Bryan is the top, or one of the top, free agents out there, Anybody and if they get, get him... Bryan. But, you know, if you're using the, well, people know him as a WWE guy. Yeah, he built himself on the independent scene. But if you're talking about his big, large fan base he has now, most of it was built during his time WWE. in WWE. And that, That's a man who took his name and made it bigger by having himself the career that he nobody expected him to have in WWE. He didn't even expect to have it. Nobody did. When he was on the documentary talking about Nigel McGuinness. Mm -hmm. I remember. Nigel wanted to be the big star. Wanted to be in WWE and wrestle in a WWE match more than anything in his life. Daniel Bryan didn't. Daniel Bryan loves grappling and loves being in front of the crowd. But he loves pro wrestling as an art more than anything else. You know, they did a, a, a thing with Daniel Bryan where they wanted to see how much career drive he had. Mm -hmm. He scored the lowest as far as, like, just having this attitude of like, I need to be the top guy, I need to be this, I need to be this. He's like, going, no, I just want to do my job well and enjoy what the hell I'm doing. And that comes through, and I think it comes through to the audience. And that's why everybody loves that freaking dude. My favorite Daniel Bryan is still the the the, the, the new yeah. the new Daniel Bryan, the hemp champion 
I was convinced when he came back, there's no way this dude could ever turn heel. And he used that to his advantage to make the greatest character in his career. And it's I hope he goes back. And to it's that funny too because like for me, one of the things I always remember from Daniel Bryan to kind of like go hand in hand with what you said. It was right after they had that seven on seven match at SummerSlam, and the Miz, I believe, was United States Champion and Mr. Money in the Bank at the same time. And he was opening, you know, he was issuing a challenge for the United States Championship, and Daniel Bryan came down and said, and said. I may not be you with this classy song because I have this classic generic rock song as my entrance song. And he's like, I could care less. He's like, I'm just here to wrestle you and win that title. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. And it's like, he, he just, he's so good at what he did. And for me, in the last 10 years, there's not a bigger star in professional wrestling than Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. I, I, Roman Reigns, he, he's made evented more WrestleManias. I understand, but that's also by, like, who's going to book you in a certain way. Daniel Bryan main evented in probably the most epic main event in WrestleMania. Have any Almost any WrestleMania other than maybe, like, Hogan Slam on the Giant at three. The, the, the only thing that competes against that is Daniel Bryan had to take three years off. True. And, that, so, and that's because of my, anyway. my, my boy, you know, prematurely uh, yeah. tried to end his Kicking career. His head off. Yeah, so... Yeah. And I, that's one thing I have to live with as a Sheamus fan. But. Right. Uh, but overall, uh, as far as AEW goes, like, I know that, like it's skating that fine line of trying to not be WWE light, but also, uh, as Lloyd is saying, bringing in people, faces, and names you know. Like, I think as far as, like, Mark Henry and Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, they've done a great job of, like, we have signed these people. We're not going to just overutilize the fact that we signed them and put them on TV every week because they're in WWE and people remember them for that. I think they've done a good combination of utilizing who they were in WWE to, to bring AEW a little bit of publicity while also, like, not like on... WWE guy, WWE guy. It's like Paul White's sitting there on commentary, and more or less, you got Mark Henry helping out behind the scenes and, and doing stuff along talent scouting and things like that. And I know Mark Henry at some point said he wants to have a match. All that being said, I appreciate the fact that, like, hey, we got Mark Henry. Hey, we got Paul White. We're going to show them for a few weeks, and then they're going to settle more into the background for now one thing and this is this is how i like the devil's advocate my own self what there is one case of somebody who had ties to wwe who aew has his book so well since they came over and that's tay conte do you remember when tay not whatever tay conte was in and malachi black and malachi well at this point yeah at this point I mean, obviously, Malachi Black and NXT was fucking phenomenal, so I give him a little bit more of a, okay. Yeah. But, like, Tay Conte was down in NXT, and she was a hell, she, a hell of a wrestler. Yeah. She didn't really have much of a personality down there or anything like that, but she kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's like, all right, are we going to put her with the Undisputed Era? Are we going to put her with this group? We're going to put her with this. And she kind of got lost in the shuffle, and then she just left, and she, they just released her. And then she went over to AEW. Now, she's actually one of the better stars that they have in the women's division for AEW. Yeah. I mean, AEW figured out Britt Baker and WWE couldn't. 
Right. And Britt Baker's one of the biggest stars in women's wrestling right now. And, and sometimes that happens. The man who was the the, the driving force behind Clash of the Champions 13 believed that The Undertaker would never draw a dime. And that's why he wasn't offered an extension by WCW. Ole Anderson and other folks in the top brass of WCW didn't see money and Mark Calloway, a.k.a. Mean Mark Callis, and uh, didn't want to re-sign him because, sorry, you're big, you're athletic, but we don't see people paying money to come see you. Thanks, Ole Anderson. Remember when Eric Bischoff said that Steve Austin wasn't a moneymaker either? And it's kind of silly that the WWE is going to push a guy. But sometimes you need to get pissed off. Some, you know, they're like, "Oh, you're going to you're going to push a guy with a bald head and black trunks. <laughs> Good luck with that." Mick and, Foley. And Mick Foley. That's the best example of it. When they actually made fun of WWE for putting the title on Mick Foley, and that's what was the turning point of the Monday Night Wars. And Eric Bischoff was then eventually general manager of Monday Night Raw. But the thing is, sometimes people just need that opportunity. Yeah. I think sometimes. WWE has snuffed out opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I specifically think of EC3. He had a ton of momentum. Mm-hmm. They brought him to NXT, and clearly, like they were going to do more with him in NXT. And for whatever reason, they called him up to the main roster. He was kind of showcased for a week or two, and then Vince McMahon's like, "Hey, pal." Isn't this the, that Derek Bateman guy? Yeah. We're not going to show him anymore. Still not better than when he th- he didn't know that Luke Gallows and Fest just were the same person. <laughs> uh, which is still the funniest thing to me. It's funny because it's true. Yeah, Lloyd. Uh, you know, Stone Cold actually has said, you know, in probably the last decade, he understands why Bischoff fired him, but he also understands at this point, if Bischoff didn't fire him, that wouldn't have pissed him off to the point that he was to go and become who he needed to become. Yep. So, I enjoyed stunning Steve. I know that he was kind of ticked off that they ended the Hollywood Blondes prematurely. He thought they had all of whole lot of gas left in that tank a lot of things they could have explored i enjoy the fact that right now pillman jr is mm-hmm. you know part of the varsity blondes and yes. you know doing a thing like that i love by the way side note real quick i loved the hollywood blondes in wcw him and pillman were just a fantastic tag team absolutely and, and it's just unfortunate that we never got that blow off of the two of them in WWF because unfortunately Brian Pillman passed away and I'm I'm still convinced to this day that Brian Pillman and Steve Austin would have had a phenomenal match even though Pillman's ankle was all fucked up from that motorcycle accident you don't need to like Pillman at the early part of his career was you know flying Brian flying Brian Pillman and JR always bringing up how he won the Courage Award as part of the Bengals every match uh but you don't need to do all that stuff to to have a great wrestling match. The fact that Brian Pillman went through the Hearts dungeon, he could have had a great match without doing the flying stuff. Agreed. 
yeah, he was less than what he was, but even Stone Cold Steve Austin, after taking the pile driver from Owen Hart, admits, he's like, yeah, I, I wasn't the technician I was, but he was a bigger star being more of a brawler yeah. and an ass kicker than he was being, you know, a good mechanic. Yes. Now, I understand, like, somebody like Bret Hart, who is the excellence of execution, one of the greatest, if not the greatest technical wrestler in WWE slash WWF slash WCW history. And you could get over but with that. Steve Austin was able to get over because of the fact that he was an asshole and he would stomp a mud hole in you. And, and, and just Specifically it, his boss. Especially who he his hated. boss. Yeah. You know, and, and Austin going to being the brawler and just a guy that just whoops your ass and has that badass finishing move. That's it. That's all you need. You don't need to have an incredible move set. I mean, you and I Look discussed Look at Randy it. Orton. Randy Orton does not have a lot of, like, like, ooh, ah. Yeah. The fucking draping DDT. I like the draping DDT. Because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. You, like, he does all those things where he, like, kind of shakes yeah. his head really quickly, does the little tap on the dude's back so he knows he's about to get dropped, and, and like, but all his movements, like, like yeah, when he punches a dude, it looks like he legit is throwing it into him. Fucking RKO. He has a fucking great drop kick. It's the, all he does, like even when he puts on a headlock on a dude, it doesn't look like oh this is just a rest hold. It looks like he's yeah. wrenching dude's neck and things like that. Freaking matter. You don't need to have necessarily high flying stuff. You need to have stuff that sells to the audience, yep. that they buy into, and Orton does that in spades. You don't need to have a kajillion moves the ooh and ah the crowd. You need to get them to buy into what the hell you're doing. Think about this. Think about Hulk Hogan, who is the biggest wrestling star, in my opinion, the biggest wrestling star that we've ever we've ever seen. I, I mean, it's either him or Ric Flair, but, but that's not the point. The point is, is that Hulk Hogan sold a goddamn leg drop for decades. A leg drop. It's not the most, it's not the prettiest move. It's not like, oh my God, he hit him with the leg drop. But the way that, because it's just the way that Hogan did it. Hogan admitted, like, dude, you know what I should have done? I should have done a sleeper hold. I had the largest arms in the world. And I dropped was, a leg drop. I, he's like, I dropped a leg drop, you know, and I, I think he, he, Hogan's been known to tell a tall tale, but talking about how he would, you know, as he put it, work 400 days a year because uh, he would pass the time, time, uh, the, 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 uh, the, basically go, uh, what the hell's it called? He, but he would uh, pass from, like, let's say, United States over to Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, time changes. Time zones. Time, he would yeah. go through time zones, but he would go from like, all right, uh, today was Sunday, and he went back to the future because he went into a different time zone and went to a different day. He said he would work 400 days. I, I'm going to say uh, bull crap on that, Hogan, but I know he worked a whole bunch of dates, and doing the leg drop fucked up his back, his his back and his hips. Yep. Uh, so as much as it didn't look too crazy. Uh, I know this may trigger you, 
Fandango ending move, it's like, dude, you're not going to have a long career if you do that. He was doing the fucking leg drop from the top rope. Yep. Well, think about this. Think about all the wrestlers who have had the, the flying headbutt off the top rope. The Chris Benoit's, the Dynamite Kids. Dynamite Kid died recently, and he was in his early 60s. I'm not even going to go into any more fucking detail. The fact that I even mentioned his name should be Harley enough. Race, who invented the move, yep. said, I don't think anybody should do this. This is a bad idea. Bam Bam Bigelow. I mean, Bam Bam Bigelow was fucking awesome at the Still has my favorite headbutt. I don't care what anybody uh, says. Daniel Bryan tried it. once in a while still yeah. comes out and does it. But, you know, it's just a, a, a bad idea. But in general, you don't need to have the ooh and ah move. Yep. You have to have the move that will get people to be like, holy shit. Like, The Undertaker, specifically in, I'm not going to say his end years, but in his later years, uh, against Triple H at, at WrestleMania. WrestleMania, against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, you don't have to move fast. Yep. You need to tell the story. Yep. And you got to get the crowd to engage into it. So, I, I think some of these performers go for that, oh shit, oh shit, uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is awesome chant instead of slowly building a swell within the audience where they get engaged into the damn match. Think about this. Roddy Roddy Piper. Roddy Roddy Piper's finishing move was a headlock. He put him in a sleeper hole. Well, with the sleeper, sleeper hole. hole. Yeah. Million Dollar Man had the million dollar dream, which was just a, his version of a sleeper hole. Yeah. Sergeant Slaughter used to put people in the, in the Cobra Clutch. Which was basically the million dollar dream. It was just a million dollar dream, yes. The Iron Sheik had the camel clutch for crying out loud. Now, Iron Sheik uh, has a hard time getting around these days and has had a hard time getting around since WrestleMania 17. Well, well, well Jay, f to be fair, the Iron Sheik is 137 years old. 137 and years old. Now, before The Rock challenges the Tribal Chief at WrestleMania 38, we need to see the Iron Sheik in the ring. He should be the person par perhaps announcing that match. Because the Iron Sheik... Yeah. He, he, tribal Chief of... I, I'm going to call him the Tribal Chief of uh, Iran. That way he could finally get to the ring when he's supposed to. Could you imagine him like the Roman Reigns like pissing off the Iron Sheik in the ring? Oh, God. But, you know, since we're talking about the, the wrestling moves that, you know, we don't like because they just, for whatever, you know, Hogan with the leg drop and all that stuff, because all the Ritz and Dazzle, Razzle Dazzle, all the moves. One move that really People sticks out both. for me that I, I can't stand, but everybody's like, oh, my God, I love the move, is the coup de grace by Finn Balor. And I'm sorry, it's probably because of the fact that, A, I have bad ankles, and, B, I definitely have bad knees. So, like, when he comes up and he jumps and he lands on them, I'm just like, I'm holding my knee watching him do it. I'm like, no. I'm like, that dude is just like one miscalculation away from snapping a ligament in his ankle or tearing his ACL. And it's like, and it happens. I mean, Owen Hart delivered the pile driver a million times. It was that one time where he dropped Steve Austin on his head that fucked everything up. The same thing with D'Lo Brown. How many times has D'Lo Brown powerbombed somebody? It just took that one time where he, draws. he, he dropped draws and... Draws is now paralyzed, and he's been paralyzed for the last 20 years. Yeah. Because shit happens. It ain't I, ballet. 
They're not performing ballet. So I, I'm sorry. I, I as much as because like as much as I love like the curb stomp and the RKO and you know I love the flying headbutt when when Bam Bam Bigelow did it. At some point, you need to like use some common sense and like if I keep doing this, I could either severely injure myself or somebody else, or I can shorten my career. Even though ooh, this is so cool. Like as much as I love watching Ricochet hit his nine ten or whatever the fuck his finishing move is, the five forty. It's like eventually Ricochet is going to come back and bite Ricochet in the ass because it's like it's like what we say about the leadoff hitting center fielders. Once you get to a certain age, your body starts to decline. And these guys who do the moves like the Ricochets and the Mustafa Ali's and the Will Ospreys, eventually their careers are going to come and, and, and just come to a, to a, to a, to a halt. Well, it, get, getting a little bit into one of my favorite parts of this week of uh, wrestling on WWE, uh, Reginald, his entrance to the ring and all the things he does because of his background in Cirque du Soleil, he's freaking incredible. Oh, yeah, I love a- it. A- a- as far as all the somersaults and moves he could do, but it's like, dude, how long can you keep that up? Our truth with a microphone during the, a match... It's one of my favorite things that that has happened recently in, in professional wrestling. I also appreciate it, although it's like an R-Truth shirt. I don't know if you everybody picked up on this. The R-Truth shirt is the same colors as the current John Cena look. <laughs> because John Cena is his childhood hero. And is his friend. Yeah. John Cena is my friend. And then, like, two months later, I never liked you, John Cena. <laughs> oh, I missed that, our truth He should have been champion. I'm sorry. He should have. But, like, yeah, just like what we were going. Like, remember Ricochet's performance at Money in the Bank? As awesome as it was. Like, he did, the, they pushed him off the ladder, and he springboarded and landed on those guys. Fucking cool. awesome. It's fucking awesome. I love shit like that. I love watching shit like that. But it's like, dude, you're 30, you're going to be, you're either 32 or you're going to be 32 this year. Eventually, you have to figure out... Because I, I figured it out. I'm in my late 30s now. I can't do things that I used to do when I was in my, obviously, in my, in my 20s. But and So, I, to, to be fair to Ricochet, I'm going to pull out Mick Foley for this. Go for it. Mick Foley realized he wasn't the mo- most athletic dude out there. <laughs> that shouldn't have taken long. <laughs> and I love but, Mick. But, I love but Mick. the thing is, Mick Foley realized what he was and what he could do and what his body could take. Yep. And he always wanted to tell the story and tell the story the way he could tell it. And, you know, he, he he's done interviews where he talked about, like, Hey, I'm going to be the third from the top heel, or I'm going to be the third from the top face. Great. I'll take that. The dude was WWF champion three times for a combination of, uh, what was it, 29 days? Something like that. You you know, in, in JR in his book, talked about signing Mick Foley, and, and he had peppered Vince McMahon about signing Mick Foley, and Vince was like going, you know what, I'm going to let you do this just so you could know what it feels like to fail. 
with somebody you believed in. If you're Foley and you read that, you're like, now obviously he won over the boss. Yeah. But Foley took everything he had as part of his skill set. Part of which was the ability to absorb about as much punishment as you've ever seen a human being inflict upon themselves in a wrestling ring. Yep. So I can understand Ricochet. This is what I can do. I hope the audience latches on. I hope the boss latches on to this. I appreciate all that dude does. He's fun to watch in the ring. <laughs> but I hope that he's not like one of these dudes that, like, in his 50s, you're yeah. just like, this is sad. Well, just like what Lloyd was saying, like, Jeff Hardy moves slower now, too. I mean, the way he walks, he, Jeff Hardy doesn't move. Now, granted, like, Jeff Hardy's been putting himself through these car wrecks on a nightly basis for over 20 years now. Yes. And it's like, eventually the shit's going to catch up to you. Yeah. And, and, and it's and it's unfortunate, because, like, that's what Jeff Hardy did. He paid that price. But you know what? If you think about it, Jeff Hardy, if you asked Jeff Hardy if he would do it all over again, he would say 100% he would do it all over again. And speaking of Jeff Hardy, so he was part of a storyline uh, that now has since been diverted. Uh, Jeff Hardy this week did uh, test positive for COVID. And certainly, as far as all that goes, like I hope he gets a full and speedy recovery from this. Uh, but the storyline that they apparently were attempting to tell after he defeated Karrion Cross, he was supposed to defeat Karrion Cross again. And storyline-wise, on the main roster, what they were trying to tell was after a few losses to Jeff Hardy, Scarlet was supposed to be introduced. And how Scarlet... I would say similar to Paul Bearer in the urn uh, were the things that would extract <laughs> everything <laughs> that Karrion Cross is and was in every way, shape, oh, or form. <laughs> Thank you for playing that visual in my... You're welcome. <laughs> Do I really want to go there or am I going to lose viewers for this? Could you imagine, because you remember how it was with Paul Bear, it was with the urn, and now it's like Scarlet. It's oh, like, yeah! Could you imagine, like, she's holding a certain part of her, like, <laughs> here, hey! This is what was making you happy, Karrion Cross. This is what was driving you the to Jeff be the Bezos bad... Bezos rocket? The, Je <laughs> the one that looks like a penis? Man, it looks like somebody's... Johnson. We have that under control, right? Yes. Hey, that looks like a big tallywhacker. <laughs> Boobs! What was that, Ozzy? <laughs> Dope, by the way. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. But, yeah, I, that's... That that on Monday Night Raw did kind of upset me, too. Because they had an opportunity there where they could have done carrying cross right or wrong or whatever it was. But the fact is that they put him in a match against Keith Lee. Keith Lee, who's been MIA and on milk cartons for the last four months. Kind of like me in a certain fantasy football league. But that's that's another story. Um, yeah! <laughs> but, uh, so they, they, you know, Keith Lee came back last week, got obliterated by Bobby Lashley in a, in a title, you know, fighting a champion and everything. So they booked Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. And what happened? Karrion Cross went over on Keith Lee. 
Two guys who really don't need a loss, either one of them. But yet, here we are, one of the two had to eat that loss. And for me, as much as I get like what they were trying to do with the carrying cross thing, where they were keeping Scarlett away from him, and they were going to have him keep losing and losing and losing, and have him get frustrated to a point where it's like, all right, well, now we need to put Scarlett back into the equation to have him get angry and beat people up again. Yeah. My biggest issue with that is he's your fucking NXT champion. Undefeated. Undefeated for over a year. NXT champion. Granted, a good portion of that, he was out with, I think, shoulder surgery, I think he had. But, 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 even so, he's your NXT champion, and he was undefeated. Yep. You put him in against the top talent of NXT, and you had him beat all of them. He beat them in... Was it a, a fatal five-way? Yes. He won a fatal five-way match against all the top talent of NXT. Then your first week, you have him lose to Jeff Harvey, who had just lost to Jinder Mahal in the squash match. I, I, I just don't like, as much as I'm like going, okay, I, I could kind of understand the story a little bit, yeah. but if you didn't do what you did to Jeff Hardy, you, you know, only a few weeks before, I think I could have been a little bit more forgiving of it. But when you had him lose so cleanly and so like convincingly to Jinder Mahal, eh. so anyway, speaking of Jinder Mahal, uh, we had Veer on Monday Night Raw going against Drew McIntyre, and one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. So, they're having a match. Jinder ends up throwing a chair into the ring. Veer doesn't use the chair. Drew McIntyre uses the chair. And somehow, some way, Veer gets disqualified because Drew used the chair on him. And they were trying to explain through commentary, oh, well, it's because Jinder Mahal was the person who introduced the chair into the match. You know what? I've been watching WWE for a long time. It doesn't matter who introduces the damn element into the match. It matters who uses the element. And I'm just, like, looking at it, and I'm like, what in the Sam hell? Like, like... Unless it's Eddie Guerrero. If you think about it, nobody oh, was nobody oh, he, was Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's he one would of the fall to the ground I and leave the chair on Eddie the... Guerrero because that was just... That was an Eddie move. I don't care. I know a lot of people have been using it lately. Like, even Chris Jericho, I believe, won the United States Championship that way from Roman Reigns. He used, yeah. the, he used the whole Eddie Guerrero. But that's an Eddie Guerrero move. I don't care what anybody says. Eddie Guerrero defined that move. He was Sasha the king Banks of it. used it. Yep. And, but, like, like, we've I, seen it a few I, other times. I agree with you. You would think that even though the guy who intru- the guy who introduced the weapon into the match should not have been the one that got his guy disqualified. It should have been the guy who used the weapon in the match. That would be like if if in the middle of this, you know, you 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 pop, you bust open the Colt forty five, and instead of you drinking it, I drink it, and then I'm drunk. You and you're drunk. I'm drunk. That's that's the way. You, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Thank you, WWE, for your extremely thoughtful and well-thought-out booking of this match. Uh, 
I still appreciate the fact that we got the gender against Drew McIntyre, who is very recently the WWE champion, who was in the main event picture up until a month ago. They brought back the gender to go against Jeff Harvey and win a squash match and then had nothing for him for like another month. But going against the, the, the very recent WWE champion, it's a great place for him to be. Mm-hmm. He should win this because I don't think it hurts Drew if he loses this feud. Because, obviously, Jinder is going to use nefarious tactics. So, Has there has there ever been a wrestler that has done a, a more 180 on his career in a positive light the way that Jinder Mahal was? Because if you think about it, Jinder Mahal never really was anything. Like, his first run in WWE was so anticlimactic and... You know, the 3MB, yeah, it was, it was funny and comical and all that stuff. And I, Seeing and I the think, dude in the turban rock out yeah, was, was I, one of I, my I, favorite things. I, I used to, I thought they were entertaining because, if anything, and it's one of the things that always got overlooked for um, Heath Slater, is the fact that the dude was funny and entertaining. But the fact is, the guy was basically let go, came back the way he did during the whole, I got kids, man! And they, like, everybody, like, if you could beat whoever wins this match gets a contract, and that's how Jinder wins it and everything. And then he just randomly gets put into a five-pack or six-pack challenge to defend against, to go up against Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. And then he wins the title, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? This is the same Jinder Mahal who was wearing a turban and rocking out to air guitar with with, with, with Drew McIntyre, who looks like Marla Hooch's son, and and Heath Slater, who's got ninety seven kids in a in a in a freaking trailer over in West West by God. I enjoy the fact, not that it's a complete recycle, that we're getting Baron Corbin with kids asking people for help specifically last night asking John Cena for help because of all his make of wishes and John Cena gave him money but it wasn't enough for Baron Corbin Nicole and I were actually talking about this last night she is actually enjoying this Baron Corbin bit a lot more I just love the fact that he's wearing the button down shirt and it still has that same stain on it for like the last three weeks the return of the Saudi match for possibly October, and there is a rumor that it would be where they did the final Queen of the Ring match. It's... I personally think, Nicole, that the the, the Saudi show is not going to happen. I, I, I have a feeling that with what's going on with this Delta variant of COVID, that, and I've already told you this, Nicole, we're getting shut down again in September. I could, I could just... I can feel it! I Do feel you it. remember... I want to say they're going to shut down. They're either going to shut down everything the week before Labor Day or the week after Labor Day. The president of the United States is going to forget to shut down the nation. That's because somebody's going to put a orange juice container that says "concentrate" on it. And he's going to be staring at it for days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. Is it going to have a picture of Orange Cassidy on it? The All right, great. Um, but uh, I, I believe the blood money runs so freely, we are going to get that Saudi Arabia show. I am going to once again not watch it because I refuse to watch any of those shows anymore. The Saudi shows. 
the Saudi, Saudi shows. shows. Okay. Specifically, those shows. I refuse to watch any of them. But the Queen of the Ring, despite the fact that uh, Triple H and I think a couple other people in WWE kind of downplayed, oh yeah, we're, we're not ever going to do another women's only pay-per-view. Um, but you, you do a Queen of the Ring because NWA says, you know, we're going to do an all-women pay-per-view. Because you don't think it's important enough. All right, we're going to do this. So WWE was, ugh, we're going to do Queen of the Ring. And again, I come off and come back to uh, the final should be in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Woo! Charlotte should be in it. Yes. Now, as far as the whole historic nature of it, Yes, they've had one women's match in Saudi Arabia, and with the way Saudi Arabia has their rules for what women can and can't do in their society, I understand kind of the metaphor and the symbolism into it. You want to sit there and like, hey, we're going to have our Queen of the Ring tournament, we're going to have it end in Saudi Arabia, we're going to put, like, a big stamp within that culture of, like, this is important to us, and this should be important to you. As much as I understand that, uh, again, they allegedly, I believe firmly, the Saudi government had a journalist killed because they spoke out against the government. The government is the one who has the contract with WWE. I I just won't be akin or a part of anything that has anything to do with those shows. Uh, certainly we've discussed openly about the what happened with uh, Undertaker and uh, Goldberg uh, there because were a wrestling podcast and what happened there I mean almost killed the undertaker and you know I know both he and Goldberg wanted more for that match than what happened and there were a lot of extenuating circumstances but in general with the Saudi shows I, I say uh, no contract is worth uh, you know bending your principles for mm -hmm. and I you know Vince certainly has bent his principles in... Actually, I don't know if the dude has principles. <laughs> uh, but... Right. His principles are making money. Yes, he, he's got principles. This is the same man who spent millions of dollars to cover up a murder by one of his stars. Right. This is, this is a man who, who, who released a lot of people... In the middle of one of the worst things that's ever happened to this country. By the country. way, most profitable time for the company because they didn't have to run house shows that, for the most part, have not been profitable. Yep. Although, again, my belief in the house shows is you build your future base yep. by having the house shows. So as much as they don't make money today, in the future... They enhance your base. You get people to buy merchandise. And I know the performers, 
specifically Jericho, he had a time when he came back to WWE where he basically just did house shows. He was like, you know what? There's no pressure on you. There's no bullshit going on. You just go out there and you have a fun time. I know the performers, I think they prefer not having that pressure upon them. I always come back to... There's never been a bad takeover, but there's been plenty of really bad WWE pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And I think that all comes down to the pressure that Vince McMahon puts on the performers and, and either shortchanges the amount of time they have for a match or they're just so worked up that it's like, I can't fuck up, I can't fuck up, and they fuck up. Because, yeah. Yeah? Yeah? I, I, I agree. It's and I, I one thing I did like about the house shows was because a lot of times it's hard as a bitch, as somebody who you know as a, as a mid class or lower mid class type of person who doesn't make a shit ton of money to go to a show like a Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown or whatever it is. It costs you quite a bit of money for parking and the tickets and all that stuff. For like what twelve bucks, you can go to a house show, and as for me, and I know it's the same for you, because the first show you went to was over at Muzzy Field, where you got to see the Dingo Warrior, and you also got to see the Shawn Michaels Razor. It was the Shawn Michaels Razor. No, 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 no. You saw Coco no, no. Beware I versus saw WWE Hall of Famer Coco, Coco Beware in the main event against it was the one man gang. gang. But you did see the Dingo Warrior. I did see the Dingo Warrior. Like honestly, at the end of that night, he was the one who stood out the most. And it's it's funny too because like I know it wasn't it wasn't did you did you see you saw the Sean and Razor match right I saw the Sean and Razor yeah, match in, in like January of ninety four so it was before, about uh, two and a half three months before their match at WrestleMania ten where they were working out the kinks of their match I right. saw basically what was probably ninety percent of the match that ended up at WrestleMania in my high school gym yeah. And the, the first house show I went to was at the Harvard Civic Center, and I saw Hulk Hogan and Earthquake in the main event. But I also got to see, I want to say it was the Bushwhack. The first match I ever saw was the Bushwhackers versus the Orient Express. By the way, my dad, who really dislikes professional wrestling, loves the Bushwhackers. The fact that they, like, lick people's heads and, like... But, by the way... WWE Hall of Famers, natural disasters aren't there. Uh, Money Inc. as a team is not there. Mike Rotunda, not there. Demolition, not there. Midnight Express. Midnight Express, not there. Nasty Boys, not there. So, anyway, that's the uh, FU to the WWE Hall of Fame for this episode uh, Clash of the Champions 13 again well while we're at it why don't we just bring up Slapjack randomly yeah yeah Slapjack the goat right who did not show up on our TV but we got Mason T-Bar this week losing to Mansoor and Mustafa Ali uh Hey, you, you know what, at least storyline-wise, you're like, all right, Mason T-Bar still have a thing with Mustafa Ali, and I appreciate Mansoor. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he 
he's talented and putting him with uh, Mustafa Ali and they still have Mustafa Ali in the company and, and have him the two of them team up to be uh, Mason T-Bar uh, let Dominic Dijakovic be himself agreed for the love of God anyway anyway and bring back Slapjack absolutely 100% agreed anyway we have gone so far off on the tangent but it's it's cool I thought we had a really great conversation we did we did uh, one thing that happened on Monday Night Raw uh, that I know you were excited about is we had a rematch for the Tag Team Championships. No, My, I, was, I was not surprised by that. Uh, Love the Viking Raiders. Same. They just lost the championship match. They shouldn't get a rematch. But they did. There are some people out there, I think, with a really distorted version of reality that they, they say Omos is far worse than the great Kali, which to me is completely jacked up. Great Kali, WWE Hall of Famer, the great Kali. Hold on, do we have anything in here that you can hit me with, like a blunt object? Or what do we oh, have? I've got plenty of them in here. here, man. You know, Jay, just take this flashlight. I'm going to take my hat off. I want you to hit me here as hard as you can. Because that's going to hit you in the brain but spot. That, which, but, but but that's the thing. That would be less painful than people saying that the great Kali is better than anybody in the ring. Omos is, like, he's not AJ Styles in the ring, but for his size, like... He's, he is pretty good. He's better than the great Kali. He's better than El Gigante. He's better than Nails. Hell, I'd say right now he's better than the Big Show. Right he, now. He, he's better than the Big Show. He's better than late stages in his career, Andre the Giant. Guess what? Andre the Giant, e- even though he couldn't really go in the late stage of it, stages of his career, had such a following, it didn't freaking matter. Yep. He knew how to build up a match. As much as Steamboat and Savage stole the show at WrestleMania three. The moment Hogan that sticks out is Hogan and, and, and the Giant got them in the building and that was the moment that they had building had been building up towards. So Omas is good enough in the ring. Him being with AJ Styles is perfect. The fact that they beat the Viking Raiders cleanly at the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. why are the Viking Raiders getting another opportunity? They shouldn't. I love the Viking Raiders. They should not get another match. That's because they don't have any really anybody else in the tag team division. Speaking, speaking of having nobody else in the tag team division, Natalia ended up getting hurt on Monday Night Raw. Did she get in the ring with Nia Jax? No, she did get in the ring with Dewdrop. And, like, honestly, the spot in the match where she got hurt, it looks like a whole bunch of nothing. It really does. 
but you know when when you get your ankle rolled up on you know Natalia is going in for surgery that that's the most recent update as far as that we don't know how long she's out for mm-hmm. i'm going to say that if you have surgery minimum a month minimum so i don't know if this means that they're going to be stripped of the titles Oh no! They remember they threw that out the window because of Brock Lesnar. It like really you don't depend, have to do that thirty days. It depends day, on yeah. who you are. Yeah, I. Because yeah. then they take the title. Yeah, was wasn't it uh, Naomi that they took the title off of because she couldn't yes. defend it? And then like Brock. And Lesnar then like comes the next, out. but the next month, Naomi was back fine yeah. to, and won back the title not too long. I think she won at WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken. All that being said, I hope. Natalia has a quick and speedy recovery, uh, and rolling an ankle, man, that sucks. Oh, yeah. I, I rolled an ankle that took me, like, two to three years of, like, b- before my ankle felt right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going out for surgery, it's like, you know, are they going to try to do what they're doing with the Miz and Morrison right now, where they keep her on TV? And, and all right, well, she's going to be back in six weeks. They're, she's going to be back in, in this time frame. I I don't know. Uh, but again, wish her a speedy recovery. And you know, she's a staple of the women's division. She's still a very good performer, and. We'll see where all all this goes. Because what they could do for the time being, if they want to keep her on like television, is like you said with the Miz situation, where they can have Tamina wrestle a whole bunch of singles matches and have Natty be in her corner, or have Natty and the broadcast team for that one match, or they can just have them cut vignettes in the back, or you know promos and vignettes and all that stuff. There's ways of keeping her on television and relevant as the as the women's tag team champions without her actually stepping in the ring and actually wrestling. But be, beyond that. So, if she she's out for a significant amount of time, this plays in part to, like, why haven't you built up your women's tag team division? Who is the clear front runner to take those titles back? Oh, the Riot Squad. Oh. The Ica- Oh. The, the Boston Bailey Connect. Oh. Mandy Rosen. Oh. You basically are back to Nia and Shayna, possibly, but they just lost. Or, or I mean, they, they now have Shotzi and Tegan Knox. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they... they WWE, Vince McMahon sees no money being made in tag team wrestling. And he's got one, two, three, four, five different tag teams, six different tag team champions throughout his his Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and NXT UK. He's got six different tag team champions. Which is funny because that's about how many tag teams between the men's and women's divisions on all those shows they have combined. It's six. What's up, Monsep? Thanks for tuning in, dude. And it's like, what else are they going to do? Yes, they brought up Shotzi Blackheart and, and Tegan Knox to the main roster, put them in a tag team. Granted, Tegan Knox, who who is just another freaking knee injury away from from spending the rest of her life not wrestling anymore, 
and Shotzi Blackheart, who is a pretty solid in-ring performer, but if I have to watch her try to swing a chair at somebody again, I'm just going to stop watching wrestling. Yeah? And it's it's and it's the same thing, because like, that's the reason why the Viking Raiders got that shot on Monday against the Omas, Omas and, and AJ. AJ Styles. Which, at least this week on Raw, coming up in two days, we're going to get Omas going one-on-one with... Bro. Yeah. Which we all know because Randy Orton Randall is Keith expected Orton, yeah. to be back in WWE on August 2nd, which means he'll be making an appearance, which means he's somehow going to cost Omos his match, which means we're going to be getting RK Bro, Bro. Going, going up against the tag team champions of Raw. There right. There go. So I like that. At least they're going to do something with that because at least it's, it's something which is better than nothing. Right. And anytime we get the bro and the, and the and the Randy Orton, then they just got to bring in RVD somehow and make Smoke it. Smoke up. Oh, my goodness. That would be the greatest thing ever. The best. Sorry. Doesn't have the same ring to it. And they could do that in Virginia. And it's legal here, man. And, and Connecticut. But we want them to do it here. I understand. I'm just. In know. the Commonwealth. Well, gotta, of Virginia. Yeah, but you got to remember, Jay, that the, the, the state of Connecticut, for all of its downfalls and all of its negative things about it. 50th best governor. And the fact that they had the 50th best governor out of 50 governors. The state of Connecticut birthed the co-hosts of the greatest GOAT podcast in the history of GOATdom, the F and Marks. With the Colt 45. Because if the 40 don't get you, the 5 will. Yeah. But yeah, we get, we still got to show love to Connecticut, right? Even if it is a bunch of land that is a highway that separates the state of Massachusetts from the state of New York, uh... right? Uh, another exciting thing we had on Monday Night Raw is we had Bobby Lashley absolutely obliterating the very recent tag team champions Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, who were formerly. Of the Hurt Business. I understand you want to make Lashley look strong. I love the fact that Lashley used a jackhammer in the match. Not the genetic jackhammer. Just the regular jackhammer. In this match to to send the message to Goldberg. So, there are different ways you could sit there and build a dude up. Vince McMahon, you don't have to say, like, tag team wrestling sucks. And if you like tag team wrestling, I think you're stupid. Because that's basically what you just told us. By having Bobby Lashley uh, whack him, stack him, and rack him like Roman Reigns. Except for it was a tag team as opposed to, like, two individuals. So... I, I don't. I don't. I, I have nothing I could add to that. I'm sorry. I would love to add something to that, but it's like me trying to wrap my head around something that Vince McMahon is doing. I've been trying for 231 previous episodes. Yeah. For the many, many years before this podcast was birthed, five years and a week ago. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's. I, I don't get it. I really don't get what he does. And I'll, I'll tell you, I watch Monday Night Raw. I try to get through that first hour because, you know, obviously with my work schedule, I can only get through, like, the first yeah. 
hour because it usually puts me to sleep anyway. But it, it's just, it's drizzle shits. That's what Monday Night Raw is. And I, I, I'm curious to see what happens at this draft that they announced was supposed to happen. Should have already happened by now, twice. And now we're getting it after SummerSlam. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Because there is nothing in this world that needs a bigger shakeup than Monday Night Raw. SmackDown, and, and, and it's a shame. Because SmackDown is such a better show than Monday Night Raw. And they're just going to absolutely obliterate SmackDown and just and put like Big E on Raw. And then Cesaro's probably going to move back to Raw. And all these people are going to move to Raw. And well, then they're, they're going to just absolutely obliterate the SmackDown roster. Or they're going to think that they're obliterating the SmackDown roster. But they're going to put people like Jackson Riker over there. And, and they'll put like, you know, um, one half. Of, like Omos will be the one that goes over there after him and AJ lose the tag team titles at SummerSlam to RK Bro or something to that extent. And everybody's going to be like, oh, well, you know, Monday Night Raw made out. And then, and then, like, three months down the road, SmackDown's going to be the more watchable show. And Raw's going to be drizzle shits because Bobby Lashley's going to be taking out, like, six midgets and Doink the Clown's daughter. So, I, it, it, it's just, it, it, it gets harder and harder. And it just proves how much smarter Paul Heyman is than Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Because you could get, because I'm telling you, Jay, right now, you could give me prime Hulk Hogan, Prime John Cena, Prime Steve Austin, and Prime The Rock, and Bruce Pritchard would find a way to fuck up booking that shit. But he loves them. I understand, but he will find a way to fuck up booking that shit. And you could give Paul Heyman Kazarni, you can give him Fandango, you could give him Bastion Booger, and you can give him The Berserker, and they would have a more watchable show on SmackDown than you would on Raw. Hush! Hush! Because Paul Heyman is one of the greatest wrestling minds. And whatever crap you give him... Look at what he did with Apollo Crews! Yeah? Look at what he did with Apollo Crews! So, one of the really irritating things on Monday Night Raw... Besides the whole three hours of it... (laughs) We had... Nikki... Almost a superhero. Raw women's champion <sighs> going against Charlotte Flair. Yep. I really hate, in case you this is your first time tuning in, I really hate when you have a champion lose in a in a non-title match wait a minute hold on a second time out i've been doing this podcast with you for over five years i did not know that you did not like it when a champion loses clean in a non-title match i'd never just was never spoken to me before i've known you for a very 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 long time yeah i mean how many how many we won't even go into that how many dead animals have happened in that time a lot. You had to bring up those horses, didn't you? Uh, you know, it's more than more than the ho- more than the horses. There's a lot of them. One of them's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but I did not know that you did not like it when champions lose clean in non-title matches. That's that's it happened twice, twice on Monday Night Raw, twice. Shocking, right? Shocking. Oh shit! I almost fucked up the shocker. 
No, yes, I, I knew all about the fact that you hated because I I there's nothing that irritates me. I know it doesn't irritate me as much as it irritates you because for me the thing that irritates me the most is when you get that pay per view rematch. We week, got that with the, the Viking Raiders. I'm telling you, it's lazy booking. They don't know what they're doing. And I'll tell you right now, I was pissed when I found out that Charlotte was fighting Nikki, and if Charlotte won, it was going to be a triple threat match for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. And it's like, oh, great, because you know, we all know that Charlotte's going to win the title at SummerSlam anyway. Well, uh, uh, that goes back into why I predicted that money in the bank that Charlotte was going to win. Yes. She, when she refers to herself as the opportunity, guess what? She is. Yeah, agreed. Like, she is the top of the women's division, and for better or worse, she, you, you know what? She always, I'm going to say, exceeds expectations. As much as I didn't love that she was inserted into Ronda Rousey and uh, Becky, Becky Lynch. Lynch. As a Charlotte precautionary held, reason. Charlotte held up her end of the deal in that match as much as I didn't like how they storyline put her into that. Yep. Every time they've done that, Charlotte delivers. That being said, Nikki just won the title. So what do you do to to make her? I got a great idea. Let's have her lose her first effing match after winning the title. There's no words to describe why they do the things that they do, Jay. And I and I am just as pissed off at the fact that they did what they did with the Charlotte and Nikki Cross thing. And and, and we all know that this is ultimately going to lead to Charlotte Flair winning back the championship at SummerSlam. She's going to pass out her dad in like another She's three gonna months. She's going to beat her dad by Survivor Series, which is not a big surprise. And that's even after they took away all of her NXT title reigns. Right. And just made it all the main roster ones. And it's still sickening to think about how many she's had, considering she hasn't even been on the main roster for more than five years. Great performer. Again, always delivers. But don't make your new champion look like such a freaking chump. I love that, like, you you know, Nikki, when she's come out, she was, like, putting on this costume gives me a different level of confidence that I could do this and I could do that and she's showcasing I can be more than I was that that that's freaking great the fact that they had her win the briefcase and the fact that they had her cash in and then you sit there and I'd like to think in Vince McMahon's cold black heart that occasionally has beams of light coming from it. That he will have Nikki, almost a superhero, win at SummerSlam. So, like, you know, this is the showcase for this year in the stadium Mm -hmm. with the biggest audience they're going to have. Give her that damn moment. She shouldn't have lost this damn match. 
They should have figured out a different way to have Charlotte get into this match. Not this way. So, poor Nikki. Not only did she lose this match on Monday Night Raw, she has a rematch with Charlotte coming this Monday on Monday Night Raw. Also on top of that on Monday Night Raw, we had Sheamus going against Damian Priest. I predicted once Sheamus and Damian Priest kind of locked up, with how well Damian Priest put forth Bad Bunny and how well Bad Bunny performed at, at, at WrestleMania, Damian Priest is going to be your United States Champion. You didn't have to have him beat Sheamus on Monday Night Raw. But they did. And now Damian Priest has a title shot. There are better ways to do this. And I know Sheamus at this point in his career has been on the main roster for like 12 years. And, and I'm not going to say he's bulletproof. He's not like, you know, John Cena bulletproof. But, you know, he, his ending move's been well protected. And even though he, he lost his series of matches with Drew McIntyre, I don't think it took his stock down. But, you know, he's been the U.S. champion. Uh, I think the broken noses helped him out. The fact that he was like, you broke my nose again. Freaking hilarious. He didn't need to lose. Damian Priest could have gotten to the title match without that. Mm-hmm. Fucking bullshit, man. DC's bullshit, man. Should so. be same set of rules for everyone. So, it's the same with the booking of the championships after thirty days and everything. Yeah. Uh, with all that being said, our truth and Reginald for the twenty four seven championship. Our truth with a microphone. Good job, WWE. You know what? Just give our truth a microphone. Our truth. Having his colors match John Cena's colors, fucking great. I know I kind of mentioned that before, but keep the dream alive. I want to see R-Truth win the 24-7 title for the 137th time at WrestleMania. Or, I'm sorry, SummerSlam. Speaking of, because you did bring up Reginald, and we, I remember earlier in the podcast you had mentioned Reginald's entrance. Do you see... Reginald doing the entrance the way he does because I thought I I loved it last night. I wa- oh, it was, it was I, fucking I, I, great. I saw it last night for the first time. Fantastic! I love the fact that he does he incorporates the whole circus soleil into his yeah, character yeah, yeah, yeah. And the entrance and everything. Do you think that his entrance last night was kind of like the big fu to Sin Cara? It can be because of that man botched his own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That man's that. I would love to see, and this is just as a wrestling fan, I know we just talked about this earlier because we mentioned Ricochet. I would love to see Ricochet and Reginald in a match. Oh, yeah. It would be fantastic. I mean, Reginald is somebody, I'm starting to like him more. I didn't like the storyline that they were using before this, like, oh, he's like a sommelier, like... Yeah. mm. He needed to break away from that whole... uh, um, I'm a Carmella thing and Sasha Banks thing and Nia Jax thing, and he needed to just kind of like do his own thing because that's the only sure. way he's going to get out and get the exposure that he needs. 
So the fact that last night he came out on SmackDown was kind of a surprise because I'm like, wait a minute, isn't Reginald? I don't wait. even know what show Reginald is on anymore he, because hey, he's he was 24 on seven champion. It doesn't he matter. Was on Raw. Now he's back on SmackDown last night. If he it, gets pinned by Jinder on a golf course, or wait, if he gets pinned by Jinder at a winery. While Jinder is in his wrestling gear, I don't think it's going to happen. He's, no, it's not. Uh, Jinder still needs to finish his business with uh, Drew, but which means I, I want to see a, I, I want to see Jinder. And the, and the final blow off of the Drew Jinder match needs to be inside a Punjabi prison. Uh, like I said last week, I want to see the first ever, not one on one match in Punjabi prison match. It needs to be like the Viking Raiders with Drew McIntyre versus uh, Veer, Beer, and, and Jinder Mahal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samir, uh, in, Beer, Veer, whatever the fuck their names are. In the Punjabi prison. They should have a new pay-per-view uh, when they when they have NXT uh, India. <laughs> yeah, that first show. It needs to be that match. And Great Khali needs to be involved. Of course he is. He's the only wrestler to be involved in all three of them in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Uh, all right. So, yeah. So uh, uh, As far as that goes, uh, Chris Brown, last week when we were talking about Nikki, and if you're talking about action figures, and you're talking about a child watching WWE TV... And seeing Nikki almost superhero, hero, you kind of love her. You you, you kind of, I want that action figure. And, and what you're talking about, Vince seeing money in that, and seeing money in Nikki as that, I, I think it's in the action figures. Shane Helms came out this week and talked about how Nikki specifically went to him and said, hey, is it okay if I do this character, which is strange, because her character is not anything really close to Hurricane, but she had enough respect to ask, to ask, hey, Hurricane Helms, is this cool with you? And Hurricane Helms is already, he's like, hey, I'm 47 years old, like, I, I, I know... Not a lot of gas left in my tank as far as being an in-ring competitor. But yeah, I've, I'm cooking up some ideas so she and I can interact and I'm going to say have a match. And get himself in ring shape so when they do the gimmick battle royal WrestleMania 38 where the Iron Sheik's going to win again, Gregory Holmes can be in that one. I would love to see like what they would do for something like that. Like if they did the, the gimmick battle royal 21 years later... Like obviously, I wonder how Duke Drossy looks these days. I wonder how the Repo Man looks these days. That was my favorite part about that that never gets brought up. How everybody wore their wrestling attire from their wrestling career, except for the Repo Man, because he got so fucking fat, he couldn't even fit in his, his attire. The fact that, that Big Josh, with a couple, couple of buddies... buddies. Was actually still able to get into his Doink the Clown attire, and the same. I'm like even Hillbilly Jim. Even how? I mean, well, Hillbilly Jim really is. Hey, looks, to be fair, Kamala, all all he had to do is have like some freaking cheetah shorts. Yeah. Ooh. 
going to hell. Oh, shit. I've never anyway. Did that anyway. <laughs> but I, I thought it was... One thing I will say, because he did come out and he had the they basically like an open challenge that he was defending the 24-7 title on SmackDown the way they did. And then, of course, the, the Alpha Academy comes out. And I said... And Gable. They, and they were, the way they were making it sound like was it was going to be a two-on-one handicap match, which would make sense because it is a 24-7 title. You can fight whoever it is, wherever you are. And I love the way that he was telling that story about how he is as 24-7 champion. And he talked about how working for WWE was his dream and everything. And he cut a damn good promo last night, Reg- Reginald or Reggie or whatever they're calling him now. Right. But he was like, the one thing I don't like about 20, being 24-7 champion is that I look under my bed every night before I go to sleep. I have to check myself before I go into the bathroom and all this stuff. And I'm like, kind of has that old feel of like the Attitude Era when they had the hardcore title. And that's what the hardcore title was. You could defend it anytime, anywhere. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're fighting one guy or 137 of them. Right. That's, that's, that's how it was. So yeah. So the fact that we got Gable versus Reginald last night, I wish we got a little bit more of it because I know that. Cause yeah, say what it, you it was a about, short. Say what you will about uh, Chad Gable. I, I have no He's problem watching him. He's a hell of an in-ring performer. I love He's watching him. He's been saddled with shitty gimmicks. It's because of the fact that he sounds like a 12-year-old who hasn't hit puberty yet. I'm sorry, he does. Yeah? I, I feel like I could go, even though he's he's an Olympian and he could definitely kick my ass a million times out of a million, the way he talks, I feel like I could beat him up and take his milk money. Yeah? And I can't beat up anybody. Yeah? I, 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 nothing but. All right. Uh, I, I, so, uh, we'll see what... They're going to do something with Reginald at SummerSlam. He's going to, you know what? I think he's going to, like, probably, like, defend the title at Circus Circus or Caesar's Palace, the site of WrestleMania 9. The the greatest, shittiest WrestleMania of them all. Oh, it was not even great. It was the shittiest WrestleMania of them all. Giant Gonzalez versus The Undertaker is so underrated. <sighs> so underrated. Hulk Hogan versus... Jay. Yokozuna is Jay. one of the greatest, shittiest Jay. world title matches that we have the ever fact. seen, ever. The fact that... Shawn Michaels no versus disres- Tatanka. No disrespect to the two performers in the match, but the fact that the best match of the of the day ended up in a no contest. Yeah! volumes of that WrestleMania. The fact it was that, so good. The fact that we got... It was Jim Ross's debut at WrestleMania, too. It was, with the GOAT. Bobby Heenan with the GOAT, Randy Macho Man Savage. And the GOAT, Gorilla Monsoon. Because it's a monsoon of gorillas. Yeah. Mm, smells like chloroform. <laughs> chloroform. He That's said chloroform, not chloroform. I was like, <laughs> Macho Man, I know better than you. All right, so on SmackDown last night, we had uh, Rey Mysterio going against Jimmy Uso. Rey Mysterio actually went over in this match. And one thing that they have done recently is now Jimmy has red hair. Jay doesn't. Jay's got a little bit of it, but Jimmy's is more red than Jay's. Like, Jay's got a little bit of the, the red streaks in there, which was another thing. And I, and, and Does that mean that he's like the, the tribal right hand? I'm going to hell, okay? Okay. I, I've already established I'm going to hell. 
I've already I've already booked my I, ticket. I, I, I'm doing my best to not go there. I, I, I've already accepted the fact. I've embraced it and all this stuff. You shouldn't. Last night... The Lord is a, a good dude, man. The, so last night, we were, we were watching SmackDown. I had mentioned He's to Nicole... He's very forgiving, by the yes, way. Yes, I, I understand. Very it's, forgiving. And I, yes. And, you know, Just ask him, for him, it. him and I have a very interesting relationship. We'll say that. Hey, you, you know what? Keep working at it. I, I'm not the worst human being in the world, but... Not the worst. But I could be a lot better. I will say that. And last night was definitely a point in the direction of why I should be a lot better. And and because like for the longest time, just like you know, Roman Reigns even said it in the in the the promo he cut not too long ago. You can't tell the difference between Jimmy and Jay Uso, and it's sad because there is differences because one is taller and the other and one of them is the one who's taller is actually like twenty pounds heavier too. But like if you look at them face to face, they they look very similar. It's, it's incredible. It's like the Olsen twins. They're fraternal twins. I told Nicole, but they look close enough. I told Nicole last night. If one of the Usos dyed his hair blonde and the other one gained 50 pounds, shaved his head and his beard, people would still not know which one was Jimmy and which one was Jay. They would say, hey, is that Rikishi? <laughs> but that's that's what I was trying to get at, is that they're trying these these ways of, tr- of trying to separate Jimmy and Jay Uso. Jimmy's got the more red hair in his, in his, in his hair. The red dye in his hair. Jay's got a little bit more gray in his beard. And it's like they're, they're trying these ways to separate the two of them. But it's like you've made a career out of the fact that these two guys are fraternal, identical twins. Identical-ish twins. That they look very similar to each other. So now, ten years later, even they've been in there for oh, well over a decade. And now you're trying to separate the two of them. Well, the thing that's interesting is earlier on in their career, I forget which one it was, one of them had tattoos in certain areas of their body, and and the other one didn't. And then they tried to look more identical, where like they had basically, not the same exact, but extremely similar tattoos. Because they were were trying to be like what the Bella Twins were when they used to do that twin magic stuff. Because when Jimmy or Jay was in a match, or they were both in a match... One, the fresher one would come in, right. and how they used to sell, how they used to differentiate each other too. When they used to do the whole the Hakka, Samoan, whenever yeah. that gimmick before they became what they were, because they used to have half of their face painted, and one would have it on the right side, and the other one would be on the left yeah. side. But that was back when they were like, okay, I can't tell which one is which because they look just like their dad. Yeah. Right. They both look like one half of the head shrinkers, and it's the same head shrinker each. Right. Uh, Chris, so as far as the Dominic storyline goes with Ray, I'm still going with Ray's retirement match is going to be against Dominic at WrestleMania. Yep. I I think it's going to be similar to Undertaker and Kane, where Undertaker's like, I'm not going to fight my brother. I'm not going to fight my brother. I'm not going to fight my brother because... What father wants to fight his son? There has to be something there where, where, like, it will drive a wedge so far. It's like, even if Dominic beats the hell out of Ray, Ray will be like, I'm not going to fight my son. Not going to fight my son. Not going to fight my son. Dominic is going to have to do something so dastardly, like, say, you're not my dad, Eddie Guerrero is. 
if they pull they're going that, to they're going they to pull, pull that card that out that would be the greatest long-term booking situation in wrestling history and that will be my guaranteed good for that week when it happens i think that's what eventually it will be i mean dominic was on the line at what SummerSlam, uh what like two, 2003 2004 2004 2005 something like that so dominic was on the line between eddie and uh ray all those years ago I, I think that's where it needs to end up. I think that's where Ray wants to end his full-time in-ring career with his son going over on him and doing something dastardly that will propel his son to that next level. Rip the mask off of his face. Just like Jericho did during their feud yep. in WWE. Yeah. All right. So we did have the returning Sasha Banks to SmackDown, who is extremely happy uh, to help out one Bianca Belair, despite the fact that Bianca Belair, a few months ago, unseated Sasha Banks from the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, there was one thing that happened in that whole segment last night that really irked me that I wanted to bring up. So last night they were celebrating Bianca Belair's 100 days as champion of SmackDown, and, you know, the, all the fanfare and everything. Because, you know, last week her and Carmella had the match at, uh, what was it, uh, Sutton Loud. What was it, uh, the, the, the music festival in Miami. Uh, right, 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 right. Uh, Fast and Loud or Rolling what Loud. I'm... Rolling Loud, I think it was. Sounds about right. So they were talking about that. So Carmella comes out and, and starts saying that she should be the one that challenges Bianca. Because she needs, you know, she feels like she deserves the opportunity. Because she's a former SmackDown Women's Champion and all that stuff. She just lost back-to-back title matches. So the fact that she went out there to challenge Bianca, and Bianca was like, you've already had your opportunity. Then, of all people, Zelina Vega comes out and says that she should be the one because she's the most the most must-see, high-flying, next prospect type of deal that she cut in the promo and everything, saying that I'm after the next big thing. After she lost last week. After she lost last week. And the fact that she is... After the fact that she is officially... 0-3 since her return to WWE. That rhymed. And, and, and she, yes, yes. That, what, what do you expect? I'm the greatest rapper of all time that nobody's ever heard of. Rapping Robo. Rap, thank you. Robo. Everybody does that Robo just to piss me off. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, Jay. It's fine. But I just thought that was so stupid, I guess. Because it just proves how... How the, the how the women's division on SmackDown is so poorly put together. The same thing with the women's division on Monday Night Raw, which is just it didn't help that what what happened with Bailey. I, I think they wanted to keep Sasha out a little bit longer. Well, I knew that Sasha was going to be coming back at, at some point. I think they're definitely going to be setting up for Sasha versus Bianca at SummerSlam because it makes the most Clear. sense. Because, Clearly, and I think that Sasha was the person put into this match because. Maybe Becky Lynch isn't ready to come back to the ring. Maybe she's not in, in ring shape. Even though she she's looks out. like it. She definitely looks like it, but it, it, it's one thing to look like it and actually be it. So. I, I, I think they'll probably bring this year's SummerSlam. The day after SummerSlam is the day after WrestleMania, in my book. Because the day after WrestleMania this year, like they had to go back to not having people there. Right. Where this year, day after SummerSlam, they're just going to 
be in wherever uh, the Vegas. Uh, Vegas Knights yeah. thing is. So they're going from the stadium to... Yeah. Anyway. All, all that being said, I think Becky's coming back the night after SummerSlam. SummerSlam. I can see that being the case. Uh, I hope she dresses as spiffy as her husband. Physically impossible, Jay. <laughs> yeah! But they, they, anyway, it led to basically with that, and Bianca basically like accepted um, Zelina Vega's challenge, and then it led to Carmella and Zelina Vega beating up uh, Bianca Belair, which led to Sasha coming out for the save. Now, for whatever reason, I couldn't even hear Sasha's music when it came on. So the fact that people were going nuts, I'm like, is it is it is it Becky? I'm like, did they actually pull off the trigger for Becky or you know somebody we weren't expecting? Maybe someone from NXT, and then Sasha comes out, and I'm like. Yep, Sasha's just going to come out, get the save, and then eventually turn on Bianca. And it took all of, like, an hour and a half? Yeah, basically, yeah, or an hour. I think it was, like, at the, the last yeah. hour. And I'm like, wow, that was about as predictable as the fact that we know that the Jets are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that Tom Brady uh, might win Tom it Brady again. Tom Brady might win it again, yeah. Or that the fact that the Yankees are going to do everything they can to try to buy a championship. Ooh, and not. And not. Eh. Although I don't hate that Joey Gallo trade for them. Anyway. Alright, what else did we have on SmackDown last night? One of the greatest things ever was Baron Corbin being the Make-A-Wish. Now, like, we kind of touched on it before. Baron Corbin growing out the hair, looking disheveled, and John Cena like, I don't notice you, or I don't recognize you. And like, oh wait, you're Baron Corbin. That is what... That part about last night, I've been watching wrestling for 30 years. 30 plus years, I should say. Yeah. I, I, I have seen a who's who's of who's who's of professional wrestling. From Ric Flair to, to Ricky Steamboat to Hulk Hogan and Duke the Dumpster Drossy. I've seen it all. John Cena, to me, either has the best or he's in the conversation of having some of the best facial mannerisms of anybody that whole thing it was as good as it was last night between him and baron corbin but john cena's facial expressions were just i don't classic they were epic they were i just i i thoroughly enjoyed it i love john C i always had a, i always had a, i know respect. he's one of your favorite entrances ever in wrestlemania oh, absolutely and he's got two of them in my tops for me for wrestlemania's I have the utmost respect for John Cena. I I, I, I appreciate is he what your friend. John Cena is my friend. John Cena at one if again, obviously John Cena has a very special place in the brainless heart of mine because if it wasn't for the Doctor, Doctor. Thugonomics back in the early two thousands, I never would have gotten back into wrestling. In the year two thousand I never would have gotten really back into wrestling. And this podcast never would have happened if it wasn't for the fact that John Cena was cutting freestyle raps every single week on SmackDown Live. It, yeah. It, so, I, and I, I don't hate the man because of the way that they booked him. And I've now that I've come to that mindset that I can't hate somebody because of the way that WWE books them yep. is what has gotten me to really appreciate what John Cena meant to the WWE and professional wrestling altogether. He is he he deserves 
the reactions he's getting from the fans now because he earned that right for the fans to react the way they do. Yeah. The fuck is Corbin doing out there? <laughs> I, 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 I'm starting to enjoy it and I really, I don't want to like, because I have a tendency, and you know this, I have a tendency of shitting on things before they actually fully develop. Just look at the the recently released Bray, Bray Wyatt. Wyatt. I'm curious. I, one thing about it that really sticks out. I can't wait till Happy Bear, Corbin. Happy Corbin. Until, with Corbin is the fact that he's wearing that white button-down shirt, and he's got that sauce stain still on there for like two, three weeks now. He looks like sh- He looks like me, for crying out loud. I mean, he's got, I got more hair than him by a bit, and my beard is definitely, the beard right. has, has, has finally regrown and has come back to its natural self. That's what she said. I, I, feel, I feel really. I, I feel like the brainless one again with this. It's, yeah. it's amazing what a beard. The brainless beard. The brainless beard of brainlessness. Wow, that was a tongue twister. Yeah. But it's it's something different. I, I I really do. I really enjoy what they're doing with Baron Corbin. I really do. And from what we've seen, because later on in the show we were supposed to get the we got the Roman contract Reigns, signing, Finn Balor Universal Championship contract signing. And, you know, Roman Reigns signed the contract, handed it over to Finn. And Finn, and one thing that Finn said, he was like, I want to go back to NXT as the Universal Champion. I'm like, so he's not back on the main roster? He's only there for a short period of time? I thought it was kind of silly that he was getting a title shot after having one match against Sami Zayn. After I mean, he, that's like beating Marco Stun. Yeah, I mean, right? it's, it's the and, same thing. And. But the fact that Baron Corbin got in there and got involved and beat up Finn Balor and was going to sign so, the contract. So he could get money for his kids. And then John Cena comes out, attacks Baron Corbin, sees the contract. Just that whole th- that whole thing was just spectacular. He yeah. grabs the contract, goes in his pocket, pulls out a marker. All while in the background, they're Paul showing Heyman. Paul Heyman with the... With the most Paul Heyman-esque look on his face as Cena's pulling out the marker. People, you need to realize and understand how much of a treasure that Paul Heyman is for the wrestling industry. They don't make people like Paul Heyman all the time. Yeah. And he is such an extra element that makes everything so much better. Because hell... Roman Reigns is a hundred times better because of Paul Heyman. Jimmy Uso is a hundred times better because of Paul Heyman. Do you need me to go into detail about Brock Lesnar? Yeah. CM Punk never would have gotten an opportunity if it wasn't for the fact that he was a Paul Heyman guy. So, yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Baron Corbin is killing what he's doing right now. Absolutely killing it. I can't wait till Happy Corbin. I, I cannot really can't. wait until this comes full circle, just like Jay says. I, I think this is going to lead to something. I also think it's going to lead to Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin at, Rest, at SummerSlam. Right. We may, we may finally get the return of the, the Demon. Demon King. Yeah. Uh, Nicole's never experienced that, by the way. Okay. And she loves Finn Balor. Uh, Don't you, honey, if you're watching. Also, as far as uh, SmackDown goes, we had another attack of Seth Rollins on Edge. Kind of going over, like, this is why I did what I did, and I'm not apologizing for it. Again, I'm looking forward to this match. 
there's not a lot of opportunities we get over the years to see a legend go against you know somebody who is a more current star where you're like yeah both of them could still go and not very similar too by the way so i enjoy what they're doing here and looking forward to this match at SummerSlam that we have going forward. That was one of those, I will say this too, Jay. Edge and, and Seth Rollins was one of those matches, like when Edge was retired and Seth Rollins was doing his thing, I said, we missed out on the opportunity of seeing Seth Rollins versus Edge, and that match would be fantastic. And they're booking it for SummerSlam with the title match now being John Cena and Roman Reigns. They are doing an excellent job booking the card for SummerSlam on the SmackDown end, whereas the Monday Night Raw end is... There. Yeah. And Except no- for the Raw Tag Team Champions. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's but that goes without saying. And, and all right. Uh, so as far as all that goes, again, looking forward to seeing this match and seeing what goes on moving forward. Uh, so, NXT this week, we had Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan going against uh, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. And towards the end of this match, we had a returning Ridge Holland. And if you're talking long-term storyline-wise, Ridge Holland, who was originally part of Pat McAfee's plan yep. to take out Adam Cole, baby! Uh returned from having shattered his leg, wasn't it? Left ankle dislocated and fractured. A right knee patella dislocated and ruptured. So he basically effed up both Both of his legs in extraordinary fashion. Like, the fact that holy shit! The, 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 The amount of drive to get back I, I i mean as much as i'm a pretty determined dude at some point i'd be like fuck is this even worth it is this even worth it ridge holland returning not only is he returning storyline wise he's on the dudes that were with mcafee yep he's with our one of our personal favorites Oni lorkin and another one of our personal favorites pete dunn yeah and I, I think this is great. I've been waiting for Ridge Holland to come back. And my God, the fact that he is back after less than a year from both legs being fucked up. Because you know a lot of times when somebody has a has two fucked up of the same, like, they do one and then they work on the other one. So usually you're out for a real significant amount of time. Because I remember when Sami Zayn, he had both. He had to have both of he his had shoulders, both shoulders. And he was out for like almost a year and a half. Nia Jax. That shit doesn't count. You're nobody, welcome. Nobody gives a shit about her. Uh, well, I, I mean, you just that, that was because of the brainless one. Yeah, I get it, yes. Because but of the brainless I, one. I, I love Ridge Holland, and I'm excited to see what he brings to the table because he's, he's a different animal, boy. Woo! He's he's one of those guys I could see definitely going up against Karrion Cross and having like a, like that that, that guy is just intimidating. That dude played rugby. Right. You know who he reminds me of? You know, you're going to laugh when I say this. He reminds me of Pat. <laughs> and I'm like, it's only fitting, yo, it's only fitting that in the span of a month we get our buddy Pat back and we get Rich Holland back. And the guy who is Pat McAfee's Yeah. Two different Pats. It, it's 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 just it's wonderful. And I can't 
I can't express how much I am happy to see Pat come back. I have to. I really need to get with him soon because tonight. Anyway, uh, happy to see Ridge Holland back again. Like severity of those injuries. Holy shit! Yeah. Um. All right. Beyond that, NXT. We also had Samoa Joe officially signing a contract to go against Karrion Cross at Takeover. Uh, you know, he he comes out and says like, going, uh, "All right, Commissioner Regal, I know you want to fire this dude. I got a different solution for you. Don't fire him. I'm gonna I'm gonna resign my position as your enforcer to take this match now." Th- little part of me is like on all right regal signed him on because he 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 was losing control of nxt are they going to have a new enforcer or was this just you know a very short way of bringing him back i like if this was the way they were bringing him back as an active performer i wish they would have taken a little bit more time all that being said, I'm glad Joe is healthy enough to perform again. I'm glad we're getting this match. It feels like because they put Karrion Cross on the main roster, I mean, it felt like that we we're, were going to get Gargano as champion, but it feels even more so that we're going to get Samoa Joe as the champion to allow Karrion Cross to go and hopefully not dilute the NXT brand by being the champion and losing on the main roster uh, also, uh, Vince McMahon, during his uh, call for the uh, investors this week, referred to NXT once again as the developmental brand. Can I just say that, like you were talking about earlier in the podcast with uh, NXT TakeOvers, like they've never had a bad NXT TakeOver. They have, what, three matches now officially announced? Because I know that they, they announced uh, Joe and Cross for TakeOver. And they also announced Walter versus Dragonoff in the rematch at the yeah. same NXT TakeOver. But and we're going to get also. And on Wednesday, you know, because we were talking about Raquel Gonzalez and how they were going to build. There's the, nobody. The, there's, there's nobody in nobody. the division. So they, they finally pulled the trigger on what you were expecting, I was expecting. And anybody with a half a brain cell who's been watching wrestling for longer than 10 days knew was going to happen at some point. They pulled the trigger on Dakota Kai turning on Raquel Gonzalez, and we're going to be getting the two of them fighting for the NXT Championship. But with that being said, that's three great matches that they have booked for TakeOver. And we have a couple of, uh, other in the queue. Yeah. Uh, Imperium ended up winning a tag match here. I think we're going to end up getting them against MSK. It's possible we're also going to have Hit Row go against Legato Del Fantasma. Oh, I hope so. I really so, hope so. That might be just strictly an NXT match, but with how they've been building the feud and the real personal vendetta the two teams have against each other, it should be on TakeOver. But obviously, you know, you have the tag team champions there for a reason. They're supposed to, you know be higher profile, but at this point, again, like, nothing against MSK or Imperium, but it feels like the better feud is Hit Row versus Legato Del Fantasma, in my view. So, there's that, but, you know, one thing I didn't like about Raquel Gonzalez's promo, 
It's the promo we heard from Roman Reigns. It's the promo we heard from Kenny Omega. Where I faced all challengers. It's like, Raquel Gonzalez, you have had the title for like three months. You have no challengers because they didn't set up anybody. They didn't book the division in a way where you had several challengers waiting in the wings. They had to uh, get Ember Moon away from Shotzi Blackheart to put her into the match. They shot the rocket on Zia Lee. Like, Zia Lee needed, you know, another six months to a year to really be put in that position, but they, you know, put the rocket on her to put her in the title match against you. It's like you had two or three challengers. You didn't go through the whole division like, like Io Shirai did. You didn't go through the whole division like Roman Reigns did. So, they could have done better as far as that promo goes. I know in the end, like, I like the fact that Dakota Kai said, like, you'll be the champion as long as I'm here with you. And Dakota Kai turns on her. And good stuff. I think they just pulled the trigger on that too soon. And it's like you said, they just have not done a good job of building up, rebuilding the women's division down in NXT. And it's like she... She claims that she ran through the division. It's like, Io Shirai ran through the division. Did you fight, uh, uh, oh, what the hell, why am I blanking out? Mrs. John, Johnny's wife. Uh, um, uh, right, Candice LeRae. You, you didn't go through Candice LeRae. You didn't fight Indy Hartwell. You didn't fight Shotzi Blackheart. I think she beat Mercedes match. Martinez. She beat Mercedes but... Martinez, but it's like, Shotzi Blackheart was down there before you, she went up to the main roster. Sure. You didn't fight Tony Storm for the title. You didn't fight... Rhea Ripley for the for the or did, no she did fight Rhea Ripley all right bad bad example but yeah it's not like you went through everybody in the women's division in NXT before you're like I got nobody left I already ran through the division and it's like no the fuck you didn't right. it's because of the fact that they did a poor job booking it that that's why it feels that way and it makes WWE look stupid when she cuts that in her promo right uh, now Chris as far as Joe I think Joe is gonna be in NXT at least for a little while. I don't think he's going to get shot-putted back to the main roster. Other, I mean, unless the whole release of Samoa Joe was specifically as a cost-cutting move so they could release Joe and Joe would agree to lesser terms upon re-signing. I think Joe realizes what the main roster is. Joe based off the work he did and the things he did on the main roster, I think should have been champion at some point. Joe realizes they're never going to put me as champion. I am better off making less money and being creatively fulfilled in NXT. That's what I feel. I don't think... I think he could end up back on the main roster, but honestly, I, I think he's not really itching for it. Agreed. He's better, and especially right now, he's better suited for NXT. So, but I, I did appreciate uh, Joe's solution to the whole problem of, like, yeah, don't fire a Karrion Cross. I'll take him out. Just sign me back as an active performer. Uh, the only hole in this story is, like, if William Regal ha has literal, literally lost control of the NXT roster... Is he going to get a new enforcer, or was that just a short-term storyline to get Samoa Joe back? 
It might have been. It probably was. But Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so that was NXT. Uh, one thing we didn't bring up earlier, we, 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 we touched on Chris Jericho and what he's doing to get to MJF. Very excited for this uh, Dynamite coming up. We are going to get WCW legend. We're going to get Lucha Libre legend Juventud Guerrera returning to the ring to go against Chris Jericho. And MJF specifically said Chris Jericho needs to win with a maneuver coming off the top ropes. So Chris Jericho in his 50s doing off the top ropes thing. Now against Nick Gage, he ended up doing a, you know, Frankenstein or Hurricane Rana onto the pane of glass. You know, as much as it looked terrible uh, a handful of months ago when he, he couldn't do the lion salt, mm-hmm. it's clear that that was just a botch. It was just a bad, yeah, bad night. Because he did a really solid job of doing the, the Frankensteiner Hurricane Rana to Nick Gage during that match. Seeing him against Juventud Guerrera, who he had many matches with in the cruiserweight division back in the days of WCW, Sign me up as much as I know. They're not what they used to be. They're enough of what they used to be where I'm psyched for this match. Mm -hmm. I will say this, though. The one caveat of all this. I would say any normal 50-year-old getting in the ring and having to do a finishing move off the top ropes is understandable to think that way. But we're not talking about a normal 50-year-old professional wrestler. Who are we talking about, we are, brainless one? We are talking about the Goat of Goats, who was goaded more than goats have ever goaded in the history of Goat Dome. Why to goat himself, Chris Jericho. Could I fit the word goat into a sentence more than I did right there? I don't know. But I will say this. I am extremely happy to see Juventud Guerrero come back this week on Dynamite. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm curious to see now, because of the fact that they brought in Nick Gage who has definitely parlayed his appearance on Dark Side of the Ring into yeah. getting more exposure. Which, by the way, Nick Gage and, and Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zach, or FKA Zach Ryder, had a match in, I think, uh, GCW yeah. for their main title. What a match that was. Yeah. I actually went out of my way and actually watched the match yeah. from their championship match. I think it was last Saturday. And it was awesome. Congratulations to Matt Cardona on winning the GCW World Heavyweight title and the fact that he was able to fight with his fiance yeah. at, uh, at um, Impact. Impact. Slammiversary. Makes, makes me think, think about this. Ten years ago, the three most talked about wrestlers in professional wrestling were CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Zack Ryder. Here we are in 2021, and the three most talked about wrestlers in professional wrestling right now are Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and Matt Cardona. Yeah. And, I mean, kudos to Matt Cardona getting into a death match with right. arguably the greatest death match wrestler of all time. I'll still argue it's fucking New Jack. I don't care what anybody says. New Jack almost killed people. Necro Butcher. I mean, Nick Gage almost died, but, you know. Right. Uh, um, so, b- beyond that, also, AEW, uh, we did have Malachi Black once again attack Cody Rhodes and they're going to have a match on Dynamite, but it seems like this is destined to also happen on All Out. I think this is just going to keep on escalating and escalating and escalating. Another thing that happened is Lance Archer defended the uh, IWGP US title 
on on Dynamite, and after winning, he's going over to New Japan, and he's going against Tanahashi for that same title. On, on the same show, though, John Moxley badly wants to get his hands on Tanahashi. Does this mean triple threat, or does this mean Lance Archer loses... To, and to Tanahashi and, Tanahashi and then we get Moxley and Tanahashi at All Out or do we get a triple threat at All Out for I, the I, IWGP US title I know that IWGP one of their biggest shows happens in September so I wouldn't be surprised if that's when Tanahashi has his match with Archer, Archer. so I mean it's going to be interesting going forward but Tanahashi that's... I'm excited for all the possibilities Involved with that, yeah, the oh, fact okay. that they had Moxley specifically call him out—you yep. don't sit there and do that when nothing's going to happen, right? 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 WWE? Nope. Sorry. Uh, Chris Brown asked Jay, "Did you see the article that he put up about Moxley's reply to Domino's objection to Jericho's use of a pizza cutter in his match?" Laugh my motherfucking ass. I didn't. Off. I didn't see that. But uh, I, you know, Moxley's good at. Yeah, doing crap like that. So, uh, I have not seen it. I will definitely check it out after the show. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I think we have covered. Did we? Did we touch on Natty? Yeah, we talked about how she got hurt. Okay. Yes. Okay. Holy shit! My phone has blown up like it's the Fourth of July. Anyway, all right. So uh, let's get to our good, our bad, and our brainless for this week. Now, I just like to point out. That I know there are a lot of weeks that I forget at least one of my good, my bad, or my brainless. Did you actually write it down this week for the first time in, like, forever? Technically, I'm using the 21st century version of writing something down as I wrote it in my notes on my cell phone. Yeah? So I actually have my good, bad, and brainless ready to go. So I have no excuse to, of forgetting it. Because if I forget it reading it from my phone, then I should, I'm brainless. Yeah. But anyway. So you are brainless. You, but... Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. So what was your good for this week? They gave R-Truth a live mic during his match against Reginald. This, again, is one of those things that people either will love or hate. Just back in the day, like Abe Washington, I thought it was great when they gave him a microphone. A lot of people found it annoying. R-Truth with a live microphone, freaking great. The fact that he was, like, awestruck by Reginald and then, like... Oh, bro, like like towards the end of the match when he's like, Reggie, give me a minute, man. Give me a minute there. He's like on the ground after like Reginald had done some things. And it's like, I fucking love you, R-Truth. You are the GOAT. It, it's like Chris Jericho, R-Truth. As far as like dudes that you're just like, I'm entertained every time he's on TV. There was a time with Hulk Hogan for like three or four years where you're like, Please get him off my TV. Please. Brother. So, fucking love our truth I love that they give him a microphone. Keep doing it. Yes. Guaranteed slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer, by the way. Right. Truth. Um, What's your good for this week? Now, I was going to go with John Cena's performance from last night because I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching him because, like, again, the, the mannerisms and the, sure. man, the man still won the greatest promos that wrestling's ever had. But I am going to call in an audible and something I forgot earlier this week. So at the beginning of AEW Dynamite, they had, like I said, the five-man tag, the ten-man tag match elimination, 
when the Dark Order made their way to the ring, they had spotlights on all of the guys in the Dark Order. They also had one spotlight that shined that nobody was standing at. That was for Brody Lee. Say what you will and say what I will about AEW. I, for the longest time, will continue to have the utmost respect for Tony Khan and how he handles certain things in certain situations. I respect the shit out of him. I really do. To go from nothing, being the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, to now being the the main source of income for a wrestling organization, and the fact that you're still doing this to pay homage to one of your guys you lost, I enjoy that. It just proves that even though he's gone, he's not forgotten. So for me, that's my good for this week. All right. I, I, every once in a while, I'll throw those pulling on the hard strings type yeah, of things. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So what's your bad for this week? So my bad for this week, and generally for me, John Cena is pretty dead on when he comes to his promos. I didn't like that he was like trying to break down the fourth wall as far as talking about uh, Roman Reigns trying this gimmick, that gimmick, and every other gimmick because he couldn't keep fans invested in him. It's like Roman Reigns has more or less had two gimmicks. Two. He's been the big dog, and then he's been the tribal chief slash head of the table. So he hasn't changed that much, and he's been on the main roster for, what, eight years now? Eight plus years? Something like that. So, like, he really hasn't changed that much. But, like, John Cena talking about him changing gimmicks, like, again, kind of takes me a little bit out of the story they're trying to tell. I know sometimes you sit there and you, you could break down the fourth wall and be, like, wink at the audience but this was a little bit too much for me overall the segment was fine but this part really just took me out of it okay so my bad for this week and and any other in any given week this would definitely be my brainless but my bad for this week this week goes to excalibur so Hmm. during that same match with the 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 10-man tag elimination match there was a point where Kenny Omega was in the ring, and he was fighting, and he was doing all this stuff. And Excalibur, who I can't fucking stand. He is the David Otunga of AEW, and it's not even fucking close. He is fucking annoying. He's fucking stupid. And he is part of the reason why I refuse to watch AEW, considering the fact that there's a GOAT JR and another GOAT Tony Schiavone. And there was another GOAT that was in the, on the broadcast team. Yeah. But for the life of me, I can't think of who the fuck it was. It was one of the guys from the WCW days. Uh, it, 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 it was uh, one of the Crockett's. Oh, okay. Because uh, they showed a picture of them from like the early 90s together, and then they showed a picture of them from that, and I was like... It might have been David Crockett. It might have been David. Davy Crockett. I think it was David <laughs> But Excalibur referred to Kenny Omega as the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling. <laughs> I am one of the biggest Michael Jordan fans on this fucking planet. I was a Bulls fan as a child because of Michael Jordan. And then he retired, and then I became a Magic fan. Regardless. Regardless, Regardless, dude. Regardless, dude. Calling Kenny Omega the Michael Jordan of professional wrestling was the ultimate slap in the face to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, John Cena, Randy Orton, The Undertaker, Triple H... Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, Bret Bret Hart, Hart, fucking Sting, a man who's in the same locker room as him. 
Kenny Omega is a great in-ring performer. I will give him that. I have I have yet to see a bad match that Kenny Omega's in. Yeah, I've been seeing the China girl match. Or the blow-up doll, and I'm hoping to God that freaking Urban Meyer stays for an entire season in Jacksonville. Because <laughs> if I have to watch that match, I might have to kill myself after. Then you could watch El Gigante nailed but, right after. But, but the fact is that when that man cuts a promo, I just want to jam ice picks in my earlobes. In my eardrums, I should say. The man is not the Michael Jordan. He is more or less, in my opinion, he's more like the, the, the LeBron James. Because nobody... He, he's a good wrestler, but he's not the best. I'm sorry, he's not. And the fact is is that there's nothing more annoying than going up against somebody online who is a Kenny Omega nut hugger like Dave Meltzer. Because you can't get your point it's across. It's like a Cowboys fan, it's right? Like, it's like dealing with a Cowboys fan. It's like dealing with a Yankees fan. Oh, you can't make Kenny Omega. No, he's not the fucking GOAT. Yeah. He may be number two in your programs, but he was still number 14 in the PWI's list of the top 500 wrestlers of the last year, and even Kofi Kingston was rated higher than he was, and that's not a slight on Kofi Kingston. Uh, Chris Brown saying his good for this week is Rollins and his continuing bevy of suits from his closet. I do love Seth Rollins and his ridiculous suits. He's saying his bad for this week is uh, listening to Michael Cole droning on and on about nothing. Uh, That's most weeks. Uh, and his brainless is Bray Wyatt being let go from WWE for no apparent reason. Let's see what comes about from all of this. Yeah. There's something there's something about this like it just he doesn't just get released for the sake of getting released. He he he, he brought people in. He brought yeah. He he, put he eyeballs, sold merchandise. He sold a lot of merchandise. For fuck's so, sake, they made a title for him. So again, I hope his mental health uh, gets back to a good level again. I think that's what the problem is. So, uh, certainly, I hope and pray for that dude, and, and hopes he, he he gets back to a good level. I'd love to see him back in the ring and, and back doing professional wrestling. Uh, but if it's better for his mental health not to do it, then I don't want to see him again. Agreed. So. Now it's time for the brainless. Yeah? And I think that you and I are on the same page for brainless this week. I know I try to differentiate on all three, but there's been more times than I can count, and believe me, without a brain, you can't count that high, where you and I have agreed upon the brainless for this week. And in one, two, three, our brainless is pizza Domino's. Cutter. Domino's Pizza Cutter. Like, you signed up to be on TNT. You signed up for a TV 14 show that has had blood and guts on it before. The fact that a dude uses a pizza cutter during the segment like where your stuff is advertised, I think does nothing but great things for you. And then you complain about it because like we're living in this generation where where people get so offended by this, that, and the other thing. It's like, it's professional wrestling. It's professional wrestling. I want to... I, I want to... You know. You should know. I want to I wanna say I understand what Domino's is coming from. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Jay, when he did the pizza cutter spot, 
And then they showed, like, right after, like, it wasn't even more than 10 or 15 seconds after that pizza cutter spot. They did the split screen, and they showed the dominoes with the pizza cutter. I laughed way too hard when that happened. <laughs> way too hard. Yeah. I, la- I, I laughed pretty, it was, yeah. Uh, I was like King Kong Bundy bleeding at WrestleMania 2, as, as Gorilla Monsoon said, profusely. Yes. That's how I was laughing. And it's like, and, and if you're AEW, you can't be mad that one of your sponsors is mad about this because you knew what you were getting into by bringing Nick Gage into the equation. TNT knew. Allegedly, Domino's didn't know. But even so, he's using a pizza cutter. All that's doing is reinforcing Domino's. It's reinforcing pizza. Yeah. Why the hell not? Uh, but, y- you know, they... they... I understand these days you kind of got to sort of tread lightly, but, like, come on. Come on, man. I agree. It, it's it's silly. That's it's, taking it too far. Yeah. Too far. It's being completely butthurt over something stupid that you shouldn't be getting butthurt over. And you're getting a whole bunch of publicity about people would have been like, hey, hey, hey look at that. Uh, again. Oh, excuse me. Again. Good, a bad publicity is better than no publicity. So, anyway. So, if you like what you've seen, whether this is your first episode or if you're a continuous fan like Nicole, Chris Brown, who is an FM Marks Hall of Famer, Jessica, make sure you like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube at the, the letter T, the letter H, the letter E, the letter F, the letter N, M-A-R-K-S, the F and Marks. If you like, follow, and subscribe to us, we will do the same back. That has always been our... Mantra? <laughs> yeah. Also, speaking of our Instagram page, I know I've taken a couple of weeks off. I, I've been having some serious fucking issues with this thing. I am surprised I have not launched this phone. I have launched f- phones in the past for less than this shit. And the fact that this phone has been pissing me off and I can't even type up like half the letters on my keypad. But anyway. I will be doing the third bracket of the greatest GOAT entrance song in wrestling history, mega tournament of goatness. Tomorrow evening, I will be posting that next round, which will be ruthless aggression. It's also going to help. It doesn't help. Or it doesn't hurt the fact that I will be at T-Mobile tomorrow too. So, so uh, <laughs> beyond that, make sure you give us a follow on Spotify. So if you're not able to watch the show live, you could take us on the road with you. Listen in. Obviously, we prefer if people are here alive and, and can actively Inter- engage us. Interact. And, and, and talk about professional wrestling with us. Yes. But we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all sorts of places where podcasts are available. And we're also live every week on the All Elite Marks page. And also, we stream also simultane- simultaneously on the Epid Marks page. And make sure you set up notifications for when we're live on either page that you will be notified. So you can so you this, join in. And see this brainless motherfucker right here. Yeah! Not bad. So I, I think that's everything. Wait. I think there's one more thing. What's that, brainless one? I think that's because today, the last day of July, by the way, July 31st of 2021, at an astonishing 2,377 days, FM marks all up. I it's still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. Yeah!
One of these times I'm gonna do it when I I, I kill the freaking whole thing with the, the Curtis Axel. And I got this feeling like Eric Rowan is gonna come behind me and attack me. He may. It, it's gonna happen. And if we have to make it happen, we make it happen. Right. So for episode 232 of the FM March Podcast, I'm Jay. And I am the brainless one. Make sure you mark up with your guac out. See you, everybody. Have a great week. And Thanks we for tuning will in. Catch you next week. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs>